Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex Optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10. If you live in the Gulf Coast region, you need to find yourself at the EcoWild Expo May 10th through the 12th in Mobile. It is the premier outdoor expo for the Gulf Coast region, and we're going to be there. We're going to have a booth. We're super excited about it. Can't wait to meet you guys that live down there. We absolutely love the Gulf Coast region, so to be a part of this show, we're super excited about. We're going to have past podcast guests there at our booth for you to talk to, guys who are relevant for your area, who you can talk to, you can pick their brain, you can joke with them, laugh with them, tell them your story, whatever you want to do. It's going to be a awesome time. We're already working on some past podcast guests, but hey, if you live in this area and you have a suggestion for someone you want to see at that show, write in and we'll see if we can get them. There's going to be all kinds of exhibitors at the show that are focused on hunting, fishing, conservation, and recreation. There's going to be activities for the whole family there. They got axe throwing, archery. They're going to have our podcast booth. And then for the kids, they got touch tanks, a honeybee exhibition, a raptor show, kids fishing tank, BB gun range, and a butterfly house. So you're going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. It's going to be an awesome time. So head on over to ecowildexpo.com to get more information on the show and to go ahead and grab your tickets. And hey, mark it on your calendar. May 10th through the 12th. Be there. We want to see you. And we're excited to talk to you. So we'll see you at the EcoWild Expo this May 10th through the 12th at the Mobile Convention Center in Mobile, Alabama. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome 
Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, one of our last big camps of the year, uh, where we just went down, hunted a swamp, hunted a lot of swampy stuff, like we've been talking about all season, and we're going to do some listener Q and A's. If uh, you want to skip ahead to any of those Q and A's, there are timestamps down in the description below. But uh, Mr. Jacob Myers, how are you doing? Uh, doing well, doing real well. You goofy son. Um, I mean, I, I say doing well. I mean, God, man, it, I, I've gone for zero for three on these river bottom hunts this year. So <clears throat> confidence is shaking. Well, now, it was. It's coming back, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, found some good stuff. Um, but you know, just we, we'll, we're going to talk a little bit more about. But uh, yeah. it, I, I was telling a listener which kind of go into this point of what we're going to be talking about on this hunt. A listener actually got me on camera while we were going back to an area. And uh, I was just talking to a whole bunch. And I told him, I'm like, dude, our hunt, my hunt from the 2022 season in mm-hmm. Arkansas gave me a false sense of confidence. Hunting. <laughs> and since then, you feel like you just got lucky. I probably, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I say that. I mean, I got on a bunch of bucks, like in areas that we actually hunted again, but I never really hunted some of those same spots like this. And well, yeah, we'll talk more about. It, but all I, right, so we we had a we had a deer camp down in uh, South Alabama at a uh, uh, kind of a swampier place that that uh, I've I've got a little bit of history with. I've hunted it in the past. You haven't really ever hunted it before, and for years I've been telling you mm-hmm. we need to go down there and, and try it out. And so, uh, so we did, and we, you know, the rut is a little bit finicky in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Like we, we run to February 10th, but, uh, it, I mean, it just depends on where you're at. Like places that have a rut that like truly goes into February, it's not as many places as you would think. Like the way that people talk about it, you think that like, you know, the very end of January and early February is like super hot in all of Alabama. But if you look at a rut map, um, it's actually kind of spotty. Like the vast majority of the state is uh, mid January, yeah, early to mid January, and but, there's parts that are. Into well, February. There's, there's parts that, especially as you get into like southern Alabama, that like if you look at the rut map, it says it goes into February. <laughs> well, but, yeah. So, but, but well, we thought we thought we were walking into a rut fest, and that was just not the case. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think, no, I think we missed it. Yeah, missed the boat a or, little bit, or just missed the areas. I mean, the funny thing is, we were talking to guys at um, at camp that you know they had success killing bucks. Uh, some of them, you know, I, I talked to uh, one of our buddies who was down there, and they had a guy close to their camp that killed a real nice 10 point and uh some other some other they had to kill some other deer down there some other bucks and you know we're doing some rutting activity cruising checking on does you know bumping some does but it's like we never saw any of that and you know some other guys that we talked to and other guys we had in camp with us you know didn't see any of that at all so it, it yeah. makes it it makes it kind of makes it kind of tough because that's one thing we rely on especially now I, I was telling this listener that too one thing i rely on this kind of late this late season hunting even though it's still like you know classified as the rut and all the places we're hunting i'm relying on that rutting activity kind of you know set up for you know transitions and pinch points and stuff and when that activity is not as heated up as you would think it would be you go sits and you're like Mm. man there's sign you know might be seeing some does but it's like just not seeing the bucks man it makes it super tough yeah no it does uh we hunted this area i think we talked about it last week we actually went on a small game hunt in the same general area and uh and scouted some some areas through small game hunting and actually this is the same place where way back in the summertime 
we did a, a scouting trip, and mm-hmm. me and you went out and we looked, and we found all these blowed down trees from a storm uh, that that we thought were going to get thick over the summer. And when we went on that small game trip, we we did this huge loop. Uh, we went in a different way than we went in the summer. Did a giant loop, walked like six and a half miles, and uh, went to that area. And it didn't really get thick like we thought it would, yeah. and it was void of sign. I mean, there were there were some tracks and stuff in there, but very very light deer sign compared to as we'd find out mm-hmm. when you're on the deer in this place. This is a higher deer density area. When you're on the deer in this place, the sign is like unbelievable yeah and there was just especially now knowing all we know looking back at that i'm like yeah that sign was really underwhelming and you know what was impressive you know we got a lot of different pieces of public in the state that you know because of these late season hunts uh late season gun hunts that have you know rutting activity going on you get some non-resident pressure which is kind of like the only time of the year i really think we ever get non-residents yeah the amount of people i didn't we didn't talk to a lot of people but the amount of people that we talked to like in and around camp that was from like Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, Kentucky. Um, there was another guy. There's really those states. I think maybe Florida. I think I m- might have heard somebody that came up from Florida as well, uh, hunting up there. But it's just it's it's kind of I mean it's 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 interesting. First off, that you know because of some of these other states, whether their seasons closed, like Georgia's closed, uh, t- most of Tennessee's closed except for like Western Tennessee, and I think Kentucky's closed as well. Yeah, it's like you know they're trying to like stretch their season out. But, you know, most of those people that I talk to, they're like, man, we just came down here to shoot pigs. If we kill a buck, awesome. But if we shoot pigs, you know, we'll be super happy. I'm like, have fun with it. Yeah, the guys that were staying next to us were like that. They were really just pig hunting. But one of them actually ended up missing a big buck. But uh, when we went down, you you got down a day earlier than me, and you actually hunted one of the places that we hunted uh, Woodcock Mm -hmm. the weekend before and just kind of got your tail handed to you. I could, I could hear, I wasn't down there yet, but when I called you, I could just hear the confidence was gone, gone, gone. And I had this area, I was planning on just me hunting it. Cause like I, I told y'all about it, but no one acted very interested in the area. So I'm like, whatever, it's just gonna be me. And then you were like, well, I'm just going to go hunt over here in this spot. So you go over there that morning and you're just convinced you're going to kill one. And then I call you and you're all depressed and mopey. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, just go over here. Like, go park in this spot, walk into this area, and and just, just check it out. See what's in there. Like, I hadn't even really been into it yet. I, I'd gone in there and put a camera out, but the camera, like, died. Uh, so I hadn't been getting pictures on it for two mm-hmm. weeks. But before it died, I had some pictures of some, of some pretty good deer. And uh, I was like, just go in there and, and check, at least see if the camera's there. And I, I eventually, I think you, like, drove around and everything. And you were trying to go here and trying to go there. I was like, just go to that spot. Yeah. And then you tried to go there. And lo and behold, you run into a, somebody that we know. Yeah, our buddy Clint. Who's <laughs> already there. Yeah. and uh, But, yeah, so that first, that first hunt, I went to a spot where, again, we small game hunted. Found a ton of sign, like a ton of fresh sign, you know, scrapes, rubs, tracks, everything. And actually, while I was driving there, Dude, I probably saw 40 deer on the side of the roads. Yeah. Like, the deer were just freaking everywhere, man. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be freaking killer. I'm going to get back there, dude. Slip behind where some of these deer are at. And, you know, when they go back to bed, I'm about to freaking bust when about 8 o'clock in the morning, 9 o'clock in the morning. And that did not happen. <laughs> did not happen. <laughs> did not see a single deer. That that whole day, I didn't see a single deer. Yeah. Oh, I, well, was that the day... 
Was that the day that you got shot at? I think I got shot at. I think. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, it was. I, saw, I saw two deer walking into that other spot, the third <laughs> spot, after getting a shot at, which we'll talk about in a second. But, um, yeah, so it was just, dude, that, it was, um, it was, it was crazy. Because, again, I got in there and, you know, I could hear other trucks driving on the roads and stuff like that, but, you know, I didn't have anybody walk in on me, which I was thankful, also kind of surprised that it didn't happen. And, this ended up as you know it get to, it got to maybe ten o'clock eleven o'clock in the morning. Uh, we had all of our me uh, Zach and Muzzy had all of our rain gear with us because it was supposed to rain. It rained a whole bunch on this hunt, and I was hunting in my whole rain gear, and it was like it had been raining all that morning in the dark, and then when I was walking, it was still kind of raining, mm-hmm. and it kind of just stopped by like seven or eight o'clock in the morning, but. I was like, man, at any point, I got back there, awesome transition line. I mean, just like we talked about, we're like three or four different habitat edges all came together in this one area. And I'm like, man, if a buck's coming, going to be coming cruising through this stuff, because one thing about, especially as you get like further south, just like where we're, where we're at, like in more like kind of the upper part of Alabama, is like you have a lot of pines and like typically in areas with pines, because of like the the limb structure of pines, as long as they're not like really tightly packed together, as in you know they haven't been thinned, you're gonna have like a pretty thick understory, and that's exactly how this area was. And you just had like this really nice little drainage that came through that had you know a little bit of hardwoods around it, and you had all these edges coming through. I'm like, man, this is gonna be the spot a buck's gonna come cruising. Walked in in the dark, found some sign walking in the dark, you know tracks, uh, you know a bunch of scrapes that we had seen previously, new fresh big rub in that area. But, you know, got set up and just nothing happened, which was unfortunate. But I get back to the truck. And when I get back to the truck, uh, actually, I was talking to uh, you on the phone. And we had another truck roll up. Uh, another guy rolled. He, he rolled up. And I saw oh, yeah. I saw him. And I was like, man, well, Andrew, let me. Like, this guy, like, waved at me. Pulled up right in front of the truck. I was like, man, you know, Andrew, let me let you go. Let me go talk to this guy. Talk, ended up talking to the guy for like an hour and a half. Turns out. He's met you on a different piece of public land in South Alabama. So yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that, but I'd actually run into him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I when he when he started explaining it to me, I didn't remember it first, but when he explained, it, I remember exactly when it was. It was remember. Do you remember? I I filmed that buck running across the marsh. Yeah, and like yeah, I, I showed him the video and everything after I ran into him because he was hunting the exact same area. Yeah, and again, another one of those. Uh, uh, pieces of public kind in South Alabama, but anyways, he came to talk to me, and we started talking for a little bit. And I saw, man, I'm like, dude, he, you know, he's wearing kuyu. He's talking about saddle hunting and all this stuff. I'm like, I bet you this guy knows about the podcast. <laughs> Finally, he noticed the old blaze orange hat right here, which guys you can still pick up on the website southernoutdoorsman.com. Show notes down below if you want to pick up one of those hats. And um, he's like, hey, he's like, are you part of Southern Outdoorsman? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm one of the hosts, uh, Jacob Myers. He's like. Man, I've i watched you guys on YouTube. I'm like, you listen to podcasts? Like, no, nah, I don't really listen to podcasts, but I watch you on YouTube. He's like, actually, I think I ran into you guys on XYZ Piece of Public uh, back in 2018, and I'm like, I don't know if you ran into me because I've, I've only hunted down there once. Or, yeah, I've hunted down there a couple times, but I don't remember running into anybody. I but, think it was me and Mark Turner. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say when when y'all had got back. Because did Mark kill a doe on that hunt? Yes. Okay, it was that day. Okay, that's what I thought. And. Uh, He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I ran into Andrew before. Anyways, we just started talking, and uh, he was actually looking to come hunt that same area. I'm like, dude, you can go back there if you want, but I'm not going to be back. Like, I, I scouted my way back to the truck, uh, like, just, just under a mile back to the truck, and uh, I didn't see anything that was, like, worth me coming back to. So, if you feel confident here, have at it, but I'm going to move to a different area. He's like, oh, well. He's like, dude. He's like, I trust you. That's fine. He's like, I'm going to go. I'll check out some other spots and see what I can get into. And we started talking about some other areas. 
And uh, he mentioned this one area he wanted to go to and uh, just had to cross like a, a big flooded out area. And I'm like, I'm like, Did you, do you have hip waders or waders? He's like, no. And he showed me, he's got, you know, he's got his uh, rubber boots on. And I'm like, dude, you're going to get wet. Like <laughs> some, of that, some of that flooded timber area and stuff like that water's a lot deeper than you think it is. And uh, I'm like, but if you want to, if you want to go in there, go at it. So we split off. I told him I was going to go check out another spot. I went scout another spot. Really found some stuff that looked good, but ended up moving to a n- different area uh, after talking to you. But he went into that area and uh, ended up, he started walking across. I was texting the guy. And his name's Jason. And I was like, man, I'm like, if you kill one, let me know. And dude, I drove out to this other area, started driving. There's just trucks all over the place, which is typical. Again, these late season hunts down in South Alabama. If, if you are not at your spot, at 3.45 to 4 o'clock in the morning, or if you're getting in past noon, there's probably somebody at the more common parking areas, and that's exactly how it was, and it was like 1 o'clock by the time I started moving. And uh, like 2.30, I'm driving out to this other spot, and I look at my phone, and I'm walking to a new area, and he texts me. He's like, got one, and like <laughs> sent me a photo. I'm like, you are kidding me, uh, which is kind of cool. Kind of, He shot it off the ground, and you, you actually later on helped him get it out. <clears throat> yeah, so I, I got down there a, a little bit later than you at that point. I ran into you when you were starting to walk into the spot. You eventually went to, I guess, after you ran into Clinton and the spot I was trying to get you to go into and all that. What'd and you say? What'd you call him? Clint? Oh, I think you said Clinton. <laughs> oh, Clinton? <laughs> no. Uh, so I, I was... I I. The the spot that Jason went into, which mm-hmm. is the guy that you ran into, yep. the the spot he was going into is the same general area that I wanted to hunt. Except yeah. he was going in from the north, and Clint was parked on the south side of it. Mm-hmm. So I was telling you to access from the south, and you know Clint was there, so you couldn't do it. And then Jason went to the north, mm-hmm. so you really couldn't get in there. And th- there is another way, but there was a hundred percent trucks there. Yeah, but you don't even have to go look. There there are trucks there every time, mm-hmm. and uh, so. I was I drove down this little road that I've actually never driven down because I I didn't know that that's where Jason was I didn't know anything you told me that you ran into him and that you talked to him but I didn't know like who he was or or where he was hunting or whatever and I go pulling down the road and you described what he was driving and I see that his vehicle mm-hmm. I was like oh that's that guy that Jacob was talking to and I'm getting ready to turn around and then I see him walk out from behind his truck I'm like oh he's back at the truck and I pull up. And uh, he's like, hey, what's up, man? Or I rolled down the window. He's like, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, really? <laughs> and yeah, he explained everything about uh, uh, when we ran into each other before. And and uh, he's like, yeah, I just got one. And he's showing me pictures. And it's a good deer, man. It's mm-hmm. a nice eight point. Um, and uh, we we get to talk about where he was. And, and I cannot help but notice that he is soaking wet from about mid-thigh down. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and I want to go. I want to go like help him get the deer out because, like, first of all, I was hoping I could walk in that way. And yeah. so I was asking him. I'm like, "Hey, what was that walk like? You know, because this is." He told me it was his third buck. He's like, "Dude, if you want to go in there, go. Like, I'll I'll walk in there with you. Like, whatever. Uh, if you want to hunt this, like, I'm done. It's it's all yours." And um, I was like, "Well, I I want to go walk in there because he, he also mentioned he's like, yeah, if you wanted to walk in there and help me get this deer, I wouldn't be mad about it." I was like. Well, I've only got one pair of boots. Like, I want to help the guy, but I'm like, dude, I've only got one pair of boots, and I'm here for three days, and I cannot, I can't flood these boots on like day one. He's like, well, I got an extra pair of boots. I'm like, okay, I'm in. So I throw his boots on, and we go striking off back in there, and uh, yeah, we go through that first marsh. You have to cross like multiple like swamp little yeah. slough things, and we go through the first one, and it's not bad. I didn't flood my boots, um, and then we 
we get to this little landmass, and it's kind of like strips of land that go through there. Hit that first landmass, and we find a, a magnum rub. I'm talking about a magnum, as, as big si- as the ones size, that you and, about the size of that no that like jar. the as big as the ones that you and Mike found, uh-huh. like that big. And well, uh, describe it for people. Like a little, the tree is a little bit smaller around than a basketball. And it's rubbed. It's clearly been rubbed for years. How, what do you think the diameter is of a basketball injury? I'm real curious. I don't know, actually. That's good I know you probably never touched a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> so, because anyway. I remember the number you told me, and if the number you told me is accurate in, in inches, well, I don't think I said a number, did I? Jason did. What did Jason say? I, I, well, don't put words in my mouth. That's what Jason said. Okay. What did Jason say? About eight inches. I say I should know this because I I went to the school of forestry and we had to measure a whole bunch of trees, <laughs> but yeah no I'm I'm bad at eyeballing it I'm not gonna lie I need to get I mean, one of those a, little forestry tape that, things that, that is a, that is me. a big rub but dude a basketball is probably well I said smaller than a basketball a, son. a little smaller a little smaller than a basketball okay. I'm telling you it's a magnum rub it's a big one okay <laughs> it was significantly bigger than your Nalgene bottle like like definitely bigger than yeah your that, that's about four inches. Okay, so maybe it's about you, you, six. You, you, okay, you should, know, you should know what four inches looks like. <laughs> All right, we're gonna end this conversation right there. Uh, anyways, so we saw that big giant rub, uh-huh. found some tracks, and then he showed me where. It, so what happened is he was walking to his spot. Mm-hmm. He walked in, got in a tree, uh, kind of got disoriented, climbed, and he's one stick. And we found out Jason is wild with his one uh, yeah. stick. This Joker climbs to the tip top so, of the tree. Well, let's talk about this because this is something. I've never met someone that did this, okay, guys? Because he carries 120 feet of rope. 110 foot. Now you over exaggerate. No, he said 120. I thought he said 110. Nope, he said 120. Okay. He carries 120 feet of rope with him. Sometimes, but his main line is 80 foot. Yeah. So, and he's, and so when I hear somebody talking, you know, with a climber, we talked about some podcasts before, guys, and they're like, man, I'm getting the 35 feet or 40 feet or something like that. A lot of times people, they may be pretty accurate. Also, a lot of times they kind of misjudge distance because I've done it too. A lot of people have. It's not like you're going through tape measure, you know, unless you got, you know, 40 foot of pull up rope. You know, it's hard to kind of tell. You know, yeah. most guys are carrying 30 foot pull up rope. So if you're telling me you're getting to 40 feet and you're pulling your stuff up, I mean, you definitely have a, a long pull up rope. But he was telling us, and at first I did not believe the guy. He's like, dude, I climb like down here. He said, down here is a little bit different. He's like, I might climb to 50 feet. Yeah. But a lot of places I hunt back home. He's like, I'm climbing 80 plus feet up a tree. And I'm like, I'm just throwing through my head. I'm like, there's no, no way, no way you're climbing 80 foot, climbing giant pine trees. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I've climbed higher than that. Like, I take 110 foot of rope sometimes. If I'm sitting on a clear cut with 20 foot tall pines, like, you're not really, it's not clear cut at that point. It's, you know, 10 year old, eight year old pines, 10 year old pines. He's like, I'm climbing up where I can see down in between each individual tree. And, and I'm like, are you kidding? Then he shows this video. And to be honest, I might we may need to text Jason to send us some video so we can actually like plug into the we video do, We podcast. need to get him on. He would be entertaining to very, have on. Very entertaining. He was fun having camp. But he he's like, y'all, he was like, I was 80-something foot in this tree. He's like, I, here's my 80-foot rope, and it's not touching the ground. And it's like, he's zoomed. He's filming around him, and these 20-foot-tall pine trees look like toothpicks underneath him, okay? Like, for real, I have never seen anything like that. Yeah. I, like, we've heard people talk about it. Like, Travis Murray talked about uh, using climbing spurs yeah. and getting that high in trees. Uh, but he was doing that, I think he said, like, 20 years ago or so. Like, it was, it was a long time ago that he was doing that because yeah. it was back when he was rifle hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but I haven't heard of anyone recently doing that, and yeah. I dang sure haven't heard seen a video where dude but, is like yeah, it's, proving. It, it's one thing someone talks about. It's another thing when someone actually shows you like, here's eighty foot of line. I just dropped out, and it's not. Not touching it's, the ground. It's dangling five feet off the, the ground, and this crazy freaking dude repels down to the end of it and just freaking falls off. On video. On video, yeah. and he's like, hits the ground, and he's laughing on video. I'm like, you're insane. Yeah. <laughs> dude. A little Anyways, journal and junkie. But the, he was it was real fun to have in camp. But the crazy thing is, and this is where some, some of you guys right now on the podcast are going to freak out a little bit, because I did. He's like, I bow hunt from that high. Oh, I know. That's crazy. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what does that shot angle look like? He showed us. He showed, he showed us. us a video of him shooting a deer from that high, and the deer is probably like 15 yards from the base of his tree or and something. He, and he is aiming straight down at that sucker. Yeah, straight. Yeah. It's, Hit like, his remember, leg when he shot the, his butt. Yeah, Zach was, Zach was like, dude, you're shooting like like 40 yards straight down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but uh, not really. That'd be 120 feet. But uh, hey, he said he climbs that high sometimes. But yeah, but, I mean, he's getting in the he he was explaining to me, and like when we were walking through the woods, he was showing me like where he got in this tree, and like it didn't quite dawn on me because he was explaining it, and I was like, what is he? What is he talking? Oh, about? Oh, you talking about the tree where he yeah. first climbed? Yeah, where he first climbed. How, how high was that? Like I don't know. I'm not gonna put a number. Like canopy. I mean, like up in higher the than you've climbed. Oh, oh yeah, way higher. <laughs> than he's yeah, because you, you've climbed what like 38 feet, probably 40. Yeah, I think that the highest I've climbed is about forty feet. Because yeah. I've climbed one sticking. My my rope is uh forty feet, forty feet long, and then usually you know when you're up at at hunting height, uh it, maybe it's like twelve inches. So you're using about twelve inches of that rope like around the tree where you've got it girth hitched. Uh, and then yeah, I've had it to where it's it's been hanging off the ground a decent bit, and I had to down climb a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably about, like right there at 40 feet, mm-hmm. give or take. Um, and he's like way past that. Twice that. Well, really? Oh yeah. So what he, he was explaining what he likes to do. He's like, yeah, I like to climb up there and I get up in the limbs and I'll do my platform like this and like lean on a limb or something. And I'm like, it didn't fully compute. I'm like, what? And it, I didn't get it until later in camp when he re-explained it. I'm like, oh my gosh. And you showed video? Yeah, I'm like, you are literally getting in the middle of the freaking canopy. So like, er, look, everybody, look out your window right now. And <laughs> look at look at the nearest pine tree like, and uh, look at the canopy, the, lo- to- the top of the tree. Well, look, no, not just a pine tree. You need to find like a 60 or 70-year-old longleaf pine, okay? <laughs> yeah. And look up there and get like... Three quarters of the way up through the canopy, and that's where this dude's climbing to. Okay, that's insane. Yeah, but anyway, but the long, the cool thing is it works for. Him, okay. Oh yeah, it works good. Like he was showing us, like he he's killed three bucks in yep. three weekends in yep. January, tagged out on public land, three different yep. pieces of public land, and uh, and again he's from South Alabama, so he like bounces around from all these like Southern Alabama spots. And well, well, so what he did that day is he got up in that tree and he realized after he got up and he sat there for a minute that he was actually watching his back trail. So he turned around and he was watching where he cut through this marsh. And he's like, well, my wind, I just walked through there. I blew it out. I don't think it's going to be any good. So he rappels down, packs all his stuff up. It's like three o'clock at this point. Mm-hmm. And he has to go across another little swamp. And these deer are crossing these swamps. And the kind of the cool thing about it is you can see the deer trails go under the water. You know, like the water might be like knee deep to us, but you can see the tracks going into the water and you can literally see like a little trail because the water's pretty clear, even mm-hmm. though it's like swampy. Mm-hmm. You can see down to the bottom and there'll be tracks down there with like, you know, a little bit of mud in them mm-hmm. uh, where the mud's kind of like the dirt is disturbed. And um, 
he noticed that there was tracks in there that were like that. They were disturbed. Uh, and that mud was like, you know, kind of floating around. And he's like, oh, man, a deer like just came through here. So he slips across there. And this is where you get wet. Jumped an alligator, he says. What? The, yeah, he jumped an alligator. He never told me that. Yeah. And so he. Hell no. Nah. Dude, that's. that. Listen, that is a red line for me. I can deal with a water moccasin. Jumping a gator, jumping a big old danger lizard. No thank danger you, lizard, dude. So he he, he crosses. Out. He gets completely soaking wet. <laughs> he crosses. Gets completely soaking wet. He's sitting on the other side, and he's like about to take his boots off and pour all the water out. And he looks up, and this deer's walking straight at him at no fifty way. yards. Yeah, and then he he freaking put a couple rounds in it with a three hundred wind mag. At, at <laughs> hey hey, listen, it's called anchoring the deer. Okay, <laughs> Anchor. we talked about that on last week's episode. If he's still standing, <laughs> you put another shot in him. Okay? So yeah, he killed it, and uh, yeah, he get, he got back to his truck right as I just happened to pull up. And w- as I was talking to him, I'm like, dude, this did, guy. Did he talk about the gator before? Or after he got the deer? But before, before. <laughs> so we, he was at the truck. He's like, dude, yeah, I jumped a gator in there. It was kind of sketchy. I was like, oh wow, okay. How big was it? I don't know. <laughs> so I'll be asking that question. Like, is it a five footer or is he double? that it's like yeah we we walked in there and uh and it, it <laughs> was funny at, you're looking at every log <laughs> dude, i was like he was as we go walking through here and uh-huh. he's explaining like what he went through to get to that spot i'm like this dude is like like this guy is sick for it for sure mm-hmm. to use that that quote like dude he is like he's walking through a freaking alligator swamp you know, going over his boots, like, doesn't care what he has to do to get to his spot. I'm like, dang, this guy's making me feel kind of soft. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, like for stay, real, hard, stay hard. Stay hard. Dude, he made me feel pretty soft. I'm not going to lie. So, yeah, I throw his boots on, which were too big. So, I was like a little kid walking around in his boots. <laughs> I didn't tell him that. Okay, night. dude, he said he had, like, size, like, what, like 13, Freaking 14? 13. Dude, I put it, I put on the clown shoes <laughs> and I'm walking around. Angel's over here, the size, these size nine and a half. <laughs> I'm size 10, baby. <laughs> My freaking foot's sliding around in there. So we get to the little marsh and we cross it. Sure enough, it's it's a, a little bit over your knees crossing it. And, uh, you know, these, one thing about hunting South Alabama in January, that water felt kind of good. It was about 73 degrees. That, that That's was, why the gators were out. Is, is that what Sawyer would say, too? <laughs> we're not going to get into that. So, uh, so we cross the thing and, and we go over to where uh, the buck was. It was a great deer, dude. It was a really good deer. And uh, I, I got some pictures of him with the deer and uh, – we threw it in the jet sled and sledded that sucker out of there. Oh, you had jet sled? Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, better. thank God we had a jet sled. Yeah. Uh, it would have kind of sucked. But yeah, it was just a great experience, man. He was like super appreciative, you know, that because like I'd met him one time in like 2018, you know, just ran into him, mm-hmm. similar to how we ran into him here. Uh, but, you know, I went and helped him out with it. Kind of kind of thinking back on old uh, Johnny Boy when, when he helped me get that one deer out randomly. It's like he just showed up in the woods and helped me get a deer out and never mm-hmm. met him before. I was like, I need to, you know, pay it forward, do that for someone else. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we went in there, and I just after that, I just kind of drove around. I'm, I was soaking wet, so I just go back to camp, get some dry clothes on, meet up with Zach and everyone, and uh, we start coming up with a game plan for the next day. And the next day, we had a lot of rain rolling in uh, oh. throughout the, basically the first half of the day. It was supposed to be kind of nasty thunderstorms. We're and, not going to uh, talk about me getting shot at. Oh, I forgot about you getting shot at. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Yeah. So all right. So meanwhile, but, while I'm helping, while I'm helping the guy get his deer out, I'm dodging bullets. You're you walk to a different spot. Yeah, I, I, I need to hunting. I need, you're hunting near the property line. Yeah. So I, I worked to uh, work through an area um, through some timber that I was. It, it looked like an area where you would have deer kind of funneling around some water and just like a, a you know real thick swamp and just. I mean, nasty stuff right there. But 
as I was working back, I just kept getting a pig sign and finally getting some deer sign. And it wasn't even like rubs or scrapes. It was just fresh tracks and droppings like all over the place. And there were some water oaks that, that had been dropping that they were feeding on. And where they were coming around, like this water was right on, like right adjacent to the property line. Okay. So I went in there with my stand, with my uh, saddle kit and everything. And I was like, man, I was going to climb a tree, but I got in there. I'm like, man, this stuff, like in this one area, it's open, like where it comes out of the, the real thick stuff next to the water. I'm like, I'm just going to sit on the ground next to a big water oak or like just a big oak tree and just get tucked in there and just, you know, where I can see underneath everything yeah, and see if I can, you know, catch something moving. Well, I'm, I set up and I'm probably 30, 40 yards off the property line, not facing the property line. I'm facing down the edge of it where all this cover kind of comes around next to that fence row. And next to me is a, is a little field, um, like a, like a little, like cattle pasture and not a food plot, like actual cattle pasture. Yeah. yeah. And anyways, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I hear, boom, and I'm like, what the heck was that? And I like look across there, dude. And I see a dude on the side-by-side driving, and he's got like a freaking rifle out the freaking side of the side-by-side. I'm like, man, he must be shooting pigs or something. I don't know. Like, And um, anyway, so he starts driving around. And next thing I know, I see him like hit the tree line that I'm on. And he's like 300 yards down from me. And next thing I know, I hear, I'm like, that was close. <laughs> And, like, you know, at this point, I'm, like, getting behind the tree. I'm, like, what the heck is he shooting at? Because, like, I don't see anything out there running, dude. Like, what are you shooting at, okay? Well, then he keeps driving on the property line, and then he's, like, and he must have had an AR. I couldn't tell what the rifle was. And he's, like, ka-doom, ka-doom, shooting it in my general direction, okay? And it's, like, just, I don't know what the heck he's hitting. But I'm, like, what is this dude doing? And all of a sudden, he gets down the property line, and he gets, like, Maybe 200, he's at maybe 200 yards from me now. And I can see he's looking right at me, okay? And I've got orange on and everything. I'm not on the dude's property line, not hunting his property line, nothing like that. And, dude, I see him, like, looking over there, and he pulls that gun up and just starts shooting down the property line. Oh, my god! And I can see there's nothing there, okay? And I'm like, oh, heck no, dude. So I freaking get my crap. You freaking tuck and roll. And, and I find a bigger tree to sit behind. <laughs> you go grab some cover. Dude, I'm telling you, dude. I hit you, the, did, you didn't return fire? <laughs> if Zach was on this podcast and would have said what he said in camp. Oh, that God, that was so funny. <laughs> we definitely can't say it. No, we cannot say that. But, it, dude, I freaking grab my crap, dude, and I hit the next biggest tree next to me, dude, and sit down in front oh of it where God. I'm like, dude, I'm completely hidden behind this giant tree. He rolls down and stops right where I like right across from where I was sitting. Again, like probably sixty yards away because there's like more trees on his side before he gets to the property line or like after the property line. And he goes, boom, boom, right there. And I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I don't know where. Like he's shooting somewhere in that direction. You, are you still wearing your orange, or are you laying on top of it at this point? <laughs> at one point, I did take. I'm not gonna lie, I did take it off for a second. I'm like, dude, what is this dude doing, man? I'm like, hi. Li- listen, I'm like, I am. Do, like, do you think he's seen you at this point? Yeah, well, it looked like he was looking right at me, shooting down oh the property my line. God, okay. Dude. So like, I'm oh like, I'm like, Lord. almost in the fetal position behind. The- this is when Zach's like, I would have returned fire. Okay. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, Zach, I, I ain't trying to, I ain't trying to go to jail, oh man. Okay. God. But like, God, dude, I was sit- I was like almost in the fetal position behind this giant oak tree. Just Why didn't like- you yell at him? Because you thought he was trying to. I thought I don't know, dude. I was. <laughs> you like, think he was trying to kill you? I don't, dude. I'm like, dude. I can't listen, bro, dude. 
Dude, it was. Dude, I'm like, my heart rate was through my freaking chest. Oh, dude. dude, you should go back on your Garmin and and like see what your heart rate was when that happened. It, probably higher than anything else. Okay, <laughs> and dude, I'm sitting there, and finally, the dude, like, drives down the. Could corner. you hear the bullets hitting trees? At one, yeah, it, I heard it hit something, and I don't know if he was hitting trees. He was shooting at the. I don't know. He was shooting at all kinds of stuff. Okay, but he's shooting right there. Probably, I mean, literally 65, 70 yards from me. Okay, uh-huh. and then he rolls down to the corner. And then stops getting. He's dude. He stays there for a minute. And at one time, I'm like, I'm about to just start shooting. Not back at him. I'm just about to start just shooting. <laughs> You're just gonna crack one off in the, the air. Just I'm, I'm like, dude, I got eight shells in my pocket. Okay, <laughs> I count my gut in the gun. Okay. And um, oh my god, dude, he, he he shoots like three or four more times. I mean, he's gone through like literally. He's gone through two boxes of ammo almost at this point. Oh wow. Like he shot like boom, 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 boom all the way down this property line, and. um do you think that he was? Do you think that maybe he was trying to like? He he probably knew that people were hunting, and he's just going and shooting, trying to mess up their hunts. Probably that's exactly what I thought. Okay, but I'm like, that's a little dangerous, my man. Well, that's extremely dangerous that's, that's, uh, on, in flat land like that. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, yeah and I'm like, what? Do you, anyway, so he dr- the second <laughs> he drives around that corner of that field, and he starts going away, dude. I get my crap and I start hightailing it, dude. Get the hell, dude. I'm tell, dude. I dude. I was just trudging back to the truck. He, he probably does that every single gun hunt on that W man. Dude, and I'm just, <laughs> dude. I'm like, I'd, I'd like get me a big tree. Like I'd walk past a big tree and I'd put that big tree between me and his property, like hit him in his field, and I just like stay in a straight line past <laughs> it, dude. I'm like, oh my god! So <laughs> oh, that happens. Oh my god! Okay, I finally get back to the truck, and I'm like pissed off at it. I mean, I'm, I'm already pissed off. I'm like freaked. I'm like freaked out too. The whole situation. God, that's so funny. Get air, get all my stuff packed up. I'm like, man, I'm just gonna drop to this next little spot because it's like four o'clock at this point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I drop to the next little gate, or the next little pull off, whatever. And so there's no truck there, so I park, whip in there, park, and I'm like, man, I'm just gonna. There's a little food plot at the back of it. I'm like. <laughs> I'm going to go look at what the food plot looks like, but I'm going to try to get on the back side of the food plot. It looked like there's some real thick stuff on the back side. And I'm like, there's probably, based off the wind and everything, kind of coming from that food plot, if a buck's going to come through there, he's probably going to work um, that thicker cover on the back side of that plot, you know, 100, 200 yards, you know, you know below it. And, uh, dude, I, I go walking down there, jump two does, working their way towards the food plot, coming across a little road bed, going towards the food plot. They kind of, they run off. I swing up and I start sneak up to the food plot. And I'm like, I start sneaking around, and all of a sudden, I'm like, what the hell is that? And I'm like, there's orange. I pull binos up. And there's a dude sitting on the ground on the other side of the food plot just texting on his phone. <laughs> He's scrolling on TikTok. And I look at him, I'm like, never even knew I was there. You know, the dude's probably 150 yards, or 120, 150 yards from me. And uh, and I'm like, well, you ain't going to see any deer like that. And I, I, I saw that, and I'm like, how did he... Like, someone must have dropped him off. I did notice boot tracks where I parked mm-hmm. at, but there was no vehicle there. So someone must have just dropped him off and just said, hey, man, just go to that food plot. And uh, also, his the strategy of where he should have sat at the entrance of the food plot uh-huh. and watched the roadbed coming out of the food plot and then watched the food plot because your wind would have been blowing through more open woods. Where he was sitting was right upwind of where all the thick cover was at. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going to see anything there, I don't think. <clears throat> So I swing around. I'm like, well, he's still there. So I end up swinging around again, going downwind, you know, a couple hundred yards downwind, sitting down there and found some big sign down there, heard some turkeys uh, fly up through, so dropped some pins and, uh, you know, ended up not seeing any deer that night. But, but yeah, dude, it was a little, I got back to camp. I was telling everybody, they're like, you got shot at? I'm like, 
whether he was shooting at me or shooting at something, there was gunfire all around me. Okay, <laughs> I felt like I was back in like 1985 on a WMA in Alabama when there was 1,800, 2,000 people out there hunting. Like, yeah, gunfire. for real. So yeah, it it was it was freaking wild. Well, that, that sounds fun. Uh, so so we went back to camp, kind of strategized. Uh, woke up the next morning. It was raining all like all morning. It was just absolute downpour. Uh, and it was supposed to quit right there. Originally, it said about 1 o'clock, but, you know, these storm systems can be kind of finicky. So we were watching it really, really uh, close all morning. And the worst of it was supposed to hit at, like, 11.30 to about noon. Mm-hmm. And it got to be about 11, and it looked like it was actually going to miss us by, like, half a mile. You know, you just got to watch the radar, and, and that's just the nature of these storms. Like, you got to watch them really close. And sure enough, it missed us. Mm-hmm. So we we weren't cut, we weren't really prepared to leave at that point. So we kind of got everything ready, hightailed it over to the area that we wanted to hunt. Uh, again, same area that uh, that Jason killed that eight point in that I helped him get out the day before. Yep. So we go busting through there. Um, I think it was just me, you, and Mike that day, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we we go busting up in there, and uh, there it, it's in it's in a big swamp. And this is like where we interview our swamp and river bottom people, where they talk about a ridge. And it was kind of funny because we had a we had Miles and Austin with us. Miles and Austin are from Northeast Alabama. Mm-hmm. They're used to hunting mountains, and uh, so I was explaining to them this area. I'm like, look, there's a ridge back there. It ain't the ridge you're used to. It's six feet tall, like yeah. for real. It's it's so, and it is. It's about six feet tall. It's about six feet taller than everything around it, and. You can notice there's a timber change that occurs mm-hmm. when you get up on that thing. So down in the bottom, it's more like swamp chestnut oats and some other uh, oats, oaks, and uh, and a few beech trees and other stuff like that. When you get up on that ridge, you get white oaks, red oaks, pine trees, like all kinds of like just diverse stuff, along with uh, some other like non-mass bearing trees. But mm-hmm. there's like a definite change, and uh, the, all the woods are kind of open, and there's a lot of scrapes in these open woods. We immediately found a whole bunch of scrapes, uh, which we could spend a really long time on this, but we'll kind of cover it quickly because we're gonna end up talking about it more in the future for sure. But essentially, that ridge was just freaking covered with deer sign mm-hmm. i'm big signpost rubs huge mm-hmm. signpost rubs uh big giant scrapes <clears throat> so we go in there and we kind of all split Which up you in different had areas. A, you had a camera in there too yeah so i had i had a couple good deer on camera i thought i had the the buck that jason shot on camera but i don't think i did yeah i, I have one that looks a lot like it on camera i had that deer i had a little 10 point on camera in there you know not a crazy big deer but like a a really good young deer mm-hmm. you know if he made it through this season he's going to be a freaking nice deer next year mm-hmm. uh and then i had one like really sh- like sure enough good deer um that i only got a couple pictures of um and then the camera quit working like at the best time of year too like right at the start of the rut it died typical just my luck uh but we ended up going in there and we checked a whole bunch of stuff covered a ton of miles and Basically, we we go walking that ridge and we find these big signpost rubs and we start finding cell cameras. Mm-hmm. And we no, find we hold on a second. Well, you guys found the first ones, so yeah. So we split up and we were kind of covering different sides of the ridge. Mm-hmm. So I was on one side, y'all were on the other side, and y'all ended up walking more down the middle of the ridge, and I ended up walking more down at the water line on the other side of it. And there was a uh, not a ton of stuff down there. Like there wasn't like a lot of deer sign. There was a lot of pig rooting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of underwhelmed with it. And this is interesting because this flatland. And I was talking to Jason about this. This flatland, you feel like 
even when it's kind of open, you feel like you can walk through it and really cover it scouting good. Mm -hmm. But like that big rub that, that I found with Jason when we went in to get his deer, mm -hmm. he'd already walked through there twice and he didn't see it either time. The third time we walked through there, I spotted it. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of the same situation in, in this area that, that we were hunting around that ridge. You found a bunch of stuff that I walked within about a hundred yards of, and I just didn't see it. And so I walked through there, and I was feeling kind of underwhelmed by it. And meanwhile, you called me freaking out about how good it looked. And so that, like, that actually taught me a lot about scouting these areas. It's like you're not covering that as good as you think you are. Yeah. Like, especially if you're just walking on like a straight line. Like you really almost got to zigzag. Yeah, and you like, really have to like lawnmower it. And it's and it's not like. Like, you can walk transition lines and some of that stuff, and I think you can do okay. Because uh, I did that the following day, which we'll talk about. But uh, it's, it's almost like you've got to, like, if there's any slight change topography-wise, you need to go hit it. Yeah. But you almost need to go hit it with a couple guys where, like, one guy can work, like, a hard transition line. One guy works, like, the more subtle habitat features, train features. Yeah. And the other guy kind of swings out a little bit wider than that. Yeah. And just kind of, like, almost like push through it like really you just need to go out there with a squirrel dog chasing a squirrel dog around and like just yeah because with a squirrel dog you're gonna be bouncing around anyway yeah you're gonna be all over the place and you'll be able to kind of cover some more that's actually that a really good point uh well y'all found some cell cameras that were watching i guess some of those signpost mm -hmm. rubs and and scrapes and then when you go all the way to the end of this there's some beaver dams and some stuff like that and we got to those beaver dams and there's cell cameras what exactly where i would have put a cell camera like smart <laughs> smart placement and look, very good placement. So, so when we came across the first cell camera i was i told mike i was like mike because I, I was wondering if it was on video mode i was right in front of it. i like gave him a thumbs up and everything and uh i'm like i wonder if this is a listener because i'm like this is a pretty interesting spot placement and then when we found the other ones i'm like i wonder if this is a listener podcast. yeah it was very very and, it was a very good trail camera when, placement. when we got to the second ones and i split off from you you went one way i went the other way 10 minutes later i get a notification on facebook <laughs> messenger well because we were going around the back side of most of them yeah but this one, you you couldn't. I mean, you maybe could have went around the backside, but how you had to go through there, you kind of have to walk in front of it. Oh, yeah. And I I don't like walking in front of cameras if I can help it. But if I do, I always give it a big old thumbs up. Yeah. And so that's what you did. Yeah, I was like, I was like, make sure my my pretty red face, you know, beard and everything was in the photo. I was like, thumbs up. And then like ten minutes later, I get a notification on Facebook that says I see you, and it had both trail <laughs> camera image on it. But my cell service was that's so good. My cell service was so bad, I couldn't see who it was, or like I I could only see the the photos when it, I got a notification. But when I opened it up, it just I I had no cell signal. Like I couldn't look at it for like two days almost. And I'm like, well, it's a listener to the podcast, I'm pretty sure then. Unless it's like some <laughs> random friend that doesn't listen to the podcast that sent me a message. But um, anyways, we split up. You went one way, found uh, – you found um, – A lot of rubs. A lot of rubs right there and everything. Saw some does. You saw some does. I went I went to a different little portion. Same situation, found a rub that – it may have like some of the highest tine marks I've ever seen. I got my chest harness, bino harness on, which comes up like right here for all the YouTube listeners. comes like right here in my sternum. And the the tine marks on that tree were two or three inches higher, almost to your chin. Yeah, two or three inches higher than the uh, my bino harness, which is like I've never seen that now. But like, uh, what? How tall are you? Like five ten? I wish five nine. Man, you're just a little old fella. Yeah. Hey, listen, you're right there with me, dude. You're just not as stubby. I'm know? five. I'm five ten. So. In, in your cowboy boots, when we call you Ron, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> hey, I do have a nice pair of Dan Post boots, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, got an extra three-inch heel in them. Yeah, look, everyone started making fun of him. I'm like, shoot, can I not wear my freaking boots anymore? I love those boots. Yeah, anyways. Um, but, so, 
Ended up, I, dude, I got set up back in there. It, it looked real good. Transitions and everything, just great habitat. I ended up seeing two does as well, so we both saw a couple does. And we kind of bounced out uh, and got back to the truck the whole nine yards, and I was like, man, I told you. Like, when I got set up, I'm like, I want to come back in here tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. based off what I found, like, there's got to be a good deer in here. Based off what you found, and, like, also, like, Mike kind of sat up there closer to, like, where the signpost rubs are, and he saw a little buck come yep. in, yep. Uh, which was a legal deer. Ended up, he didn't know what it really was a buck, I don't think, until it got real close to him. Yeah. And then he tried to get a shot and just it, Yeah, I think busted. it was a half rack. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, that's why he thought it was a doe at first, but then he ended up seeing the other antler, and it was a it was a legal deer. It had, uh, it met the antler port restriction for this place, and yeah, he was about to shoot it, and it winded him. Yeah. Which I hate, because I was hoping Mike would get him another deer, man. Yeah, it happens. But uh, anyway, so, you know, we kind of go back to camp, talk to all the guys, kind of come up with a game plan next morning, and I'm like, dude, I'm going to be at that spot before anybody else on this property ever decides to get there. Well, because another thing, when you talk to Clint, uh, Clint had gone in there, so he beat you in there that first day. Mm-hmm. And well, talk, talk about why Clint went in there. That's, that's I don't know if we I don't know if we want to dispose. That. Okay, yeah, well, okay, yeah, we won't dispose that. But he he got intel, yeah, for a reason why he went in there from an old timer, yeah. Um, but ended up just you know because of all that, I was like, dude, I want to go in, and I talked to, I went to see Clint, went to his. Uh, would see him at camp and um uh, he said that they were like they ended up hunting in, like a different area um he said they saw a couple does in there as well but they ended up going to a different area and they probably weren't going to go hunt that last morning so mm-hmm. i'm like well we're gonna plan on getting there and i'm gonna get there early so i, I had my alarm set for three sleeping in the truck this is one advantage i love like camping sleeping in the truck because if i sleep in the tent if i wake up kind of get dressed put boots on everything it burns a little bit of time if i'm in my truck i'm sleeping in, i'm sleeping in my clothes i take my boots off but i sleep in my clothes yeah and all it is i just lean my seat up crank it and i'm rolling okay yep. that is so, that is an advantage so you and all the other sleeping beauties slept at camp a little bit longer i saw nobody else's light come on at 3 a.m so i heard you crank your truck and i looked at my watch i was like oh jacob's got it i'm gonna, I'm gonna get about half an hour more and then i had to get out and i had to pack the tarp and everything yeah, yeah. cooler but but so anyways i roll out i get to the spot i park and i'm like well i'm here super early because I, I was telling you guys like i, I want to walk in early but like it's not like critical. We don't need to be walking at three thirty. Okay, no. so main thing is just get the spot. Yeah. So no one else is walking. Yeah. There. So I, I, you know, I parked there and uh, lay my seat back. I'm like, man, I'm gonna go back to sleep. This feels pretty good. And uh, I go back to sleep, and then all of a sudden, I have my alarm set for uh, four a.m. Uh, and I get there, you know, I don't know, it's maybe I forgot what time I got there at. It wasn't terribly. Probably terrib- like three fifteen. Yeah, something like that. Super early. And uh, anyways, I, I go back to sleep. And when I I wake up hearing trucks driving, and I'm like, they better not be pulling up next to me. I look up, and it's this, I mean, a parade of trucks flying by me. <laughs> and they're going back to some other spots. And I was like, oh, man. Okay, good. And, like, and, and the thing is, I left my truck running, so my lights were on. Uh-huh. So just so like people were like, you know, it's not one of those things. That they didn't want the confrontation. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So yeah. it wasn't like one of those things where you, you don't really notice the trucks there until you pull up behind you like, oh, crap. I want to make sure people like saw me, you know, when they were coming by, you know, coming by on the road. And uh, anyways, finally I wake up and uh, I hear somebody pull up behind me and I saw the lights. I'm like, please let that be Andrew and the guys. And uh, <laughs> it was. It was you, Mike, and, uh, and, and Miles and Austin. And anyway, dude, we just try, you know kind of got all of our stuff loaded up and kind of had a game plan going in there. And uh, yeah, I was, was kind of tempted that morning. We we had some more ground we wanted to cover in there, uh, and that that was the last morning of our hunt. 
and we were trying to decide where to put everyone. We were wolf packing the area, and my view going into it was like, this is great. We've got, we had five of us going in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got five man days, mm-hmm. essentially. So I think all in all, we had five, we had eight man days total in that area. Uh, and so again, every, every person that is there counts for a man day. So on day one, three of us went in there. That's three man days. Day three. two, five of us went in there. That's five man Which days. is like different observations on different <clears throat> areas. Yeah. There's an the advantage of like hunting with a group of people because like, you may be 300 yards away from your buddy. He may be on some crazy hot sun seeing a ton of deer, and you yep. ain't seen nothing. Exactly. And you can kind of pinpoint like what areas may be a little bit harder than so, others. So when, you, when you're sharing information, you just spent two days in there, and you got nine days' worth of information. Mm-hmm. Eight, or eight days' worth of information, I'm sorry. So that is like th- – that's how I was looking at this because I'm already thinking – it was at this point, I think, becoming apparent that we were probably on the, the backside of the good rut hunting. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, we could for sure kill a buck. Like, we were by no means out of the game. But I'm already looking at this like this area is good. The sign in here is extremely impressive. Seems like there's not really any hunting pressure, which we ended up confirming later. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm already thinking about next season. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm always thinking about, again – it's like a it's like a savings account that you're putting money into, and, and next year we're making the withdrawal. You know yep. what I'm saying? So uh, I just wanted to get as much information as possible. So I I thought about going like way back in and basically doing what you ended up doing, but I ended up I'd already been in there one time and scouted this by myself. And there's this one spot that I was like, you know what? Um, for for the last day, I want to get a good hunt in, and I want to hunt something that I'm familiar with that I've already walked instead of trying to go in blind somewhere. So I ended up hunting this one spot that looked really promising, uh, kind of towards the end of the ridge, mm-hmm. and uh, I was set up for hunting pressure. Didn't end up seeing anything, uh, but but Miles ended up seeing a couple deer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I don't think anybody else saw anything, right? I, I saw you, two. You saw some does. Uh, Mike and Austin didn't see any. Mm-hmm. So out of the five of us, only two saw any deer, yeah. and, and no one saw like a hey, good buck. Or hey, real quick, real quick. <laughs> so one thing we didn't mention back at camp the night before, we could have like a ton of meat. Mm-hmm. And you were eating some raw burgers. Okay. <laughs> so talk to us about the advantage of one sticking and repelling out if <laughs> the old bubble gut hits. Listen. All right. I was look, we we cooked some burgers. Andrew and, can't cook for nothing. No, I he eats cook. it raw. No, listen. Listen. I'm, I, I'm, can, I'm not I can cook. I'm not talking about medium rare. I'm talking about <laughs> blue rare, like raw no, burger. No, it was warm. It was warm on the inside. Look, I cooked some burgers. It was dark. No one brought a freaking lantern. Okay. So <laughs> that is true. I go, I go eating this burger, and then you flip a light on. And you're like, dude, that thing's wrong. A good, a good veterinarian could bring that back to life. <laughs> it wasn't that freaking raw. Okay. <laughs> it was, it was, it was a if little it, bit. If it, it was, if it had parasites, it was a little bit more rare than I like my burger meat. If it had parasites, they were still alive and kicking inside that burger. Listen. So I eat it, and also I was I was freaking hungry. I was like, whatever, we're gonna risk it. <laughs> and, uh, so so I so I ate about half of one of them. Then we threw them back on the grill and, and finished them off. But yeah, that next morning I wasn't feeling that great. All right, <laughs> it got to be about ten a.m. I was like, I got to get out this tree, boy. Oh, it was that late. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, dude, I made it. It's it's all good. Okay. So yeah, I, you know, repel. I fast repped out of that sucker. <laughs> you could <laughs> then you could hear that rope burning from 300 yards away. Oh, dude. Well, hey, that's another funny thing that uh, Jason was talking about uh, uh, repelling out. Because he's repelling from, like, so far out. And he, he had this story where he was repelling down in front of a dude. And he was, like, he was trying to, I guess, like, show off. And so 
there's two ways you can repel it, or really there's three. You can either just freaking hang there and like lower yourself with your belay device and literally just hang there and, and lower down. Or you can kind of backwards walk down the tree, so put your feet on the tree and walk backwards down and slowly mm-hmm. repel. Or you can do the freaking special forces kick off and, you know. You zip can, you off 40 zip feet line at a time. Yeah, so he did that. <clears throat> so I was like, I'm going to freaking try that. Yeah, and I think he said he did two kicks from 80-plus feet up. It hit the ground pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, because I like I'm still like getting comfortable with it. Like it's a lot of fun repelling. It's very fun. So yeah, that morning I was like, I'm gonna try to do the kickoff thing and see what I do. And dude, I freaking kicked off and I zipped down so fast I burned my hand <laughs> on the rope. I hit the ground so hard. <laughs> People were like, Man, there's a buck fight over there. I heard crashing. Andrew's over there half paralyzed on the ground. Like, I'm spraying my ankle. <laughs> Oh yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that was fun. That the raw burgers. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> had, had, a, had a had a close to having a blowout up there. I, I was a little worried about that, so I brought some extra mountain money with me. That's toilet paper. Dude, I don't know why you don't. You, you, you've gone into the woods a couple times this year without having toilet paper. No, I always have it, dude. I think there was a time. No, listen. Well, I ran out. But the advantage of having the advantage of having a nine month old is there's always baby wipes in the car. That which, doesn't help you if you're in the woods. They throw them in the backpack. Oh, okay. What are you talking about? Okay. Throw the whole thing in there. It's freaking. It's like royalty, dude. Yeah. Having those compared to normal toilet paper, it's like dang, we're rolling high. Anyways, Houndstooth Game Calls Dixie Hen Slate was just voted the overall best turkey call by Field and Stream Outdoors, and trust me, it's super easy to run and be extremely dynamic when you're in the turkey woods. Now, we've mentioned a couple of these calls in the past, like the Spur Master and the Success Call in a past episode with both Gary Vines and Lyle Gilbert of Houndstooth Game Calls. And it was funny enough, y'all actually bought every Spur Master call and Success Call they had. Now, pay attention to their website. They're going to have some more come up in stock in the next few days. So when they come available, make sure you get one if you did not purchase one before they sold out last time. Both the Spurmaster and the Success Call are fantastic for hunting high-pressure turkeys, whether you're on a hunting club where you have a lot of other members hunting those same turkeys, or if you're on public land. Again, both of those calls will make you sound a little bit different from everybody else and be a lot more subtle in your calling technique and be able to really help close those distance with those gobblers. So if you want to give Houndstooth Game Calls a try, go to houndstoothgamecalls.com. Use the promo code SOP24. Again, promo code SOP24 for 15% off houndtoothgamecalls.com. True Lock Chokes has been made in Georgia since 1981 and offering a wide range of chokes, over 2,000 different chokes for all kinds of shooting activities. You might be wondering why you'd want to purchase a True Lock Choke, and it's to improve your shotgun performance. Absolutely guaranteed. And as a great example, we have Andrew Maxwell here. And, uh, Andrew, you've had some pretty good luck, again, kind of switching out chokes and trying out the Precision Hunter choke from True Lock. So, Andrew, what's been your experience so far? Yeah, I've, always, I've used the same choke for several years now. I never really thought much of it, and I got the True Lock choke in. I patterned my gun with the first choke at uh, 30 and 50, and then I switched to the True Lock and changed from 30 to 50. And the 50-yard pattern on my gun with the True Lock choke is unbelievable like everybody's jaws were dropping like when we were out there with mike and sam we were all super impressed i mean it's throwing a better pattern at 50 now than it was throwing at 40 before my old choke and andrew you're shooting the precision hunter choke from true lock it's a great option same chokes i have in my shotgun so guys if you want to give true lock a shot this spring you can head over to truelockchokes.com that's t-r-u L-O-C-K chokes.com. You can also use the promo code Southern at checkout at truelockchokes.com and save 10% on your order. Again, give TrueLock a shot this spring. 
especially if you're not happy with the performance of your shotgun, and shoot with a more deadly pattern with true lock. So yeah, I don't I don't see anything that morning. I'm I make a decision that I'm just gonna do like a big loop and I'm gonna walk into an area that like really truth be told, I'm not actually interested in hunting, but other people I know for a fact <clears throat> other people are hunting there. So I wanted to see what it looked like. Mm-hmm. I could see some pines and stuff on the map and some swampy looking stuff. So I wanted to walk in there and just see if those pines actually had good cover underneath mm-hmm. them. Cause you know, if it, if it looked really good, maybe get on the backside of it or something. Uh, but I, I did a big old loop over there and just nothing. I mean, very little deer sign. I, I walked three and a half miles on that loop and I found one scrape. No, 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 no I'm sorry. I found three scrapes. One of them was actually open from that morning. The other two weren't. But none of the scrapes were very big compared to what we had been finding. I mean, we were finding absolute, just monster sign. Big, giant rubs. Big, giant scrapes. Uh, just really impressive sign further back in this area. So so I get out, uh, you know, and Austin and Miles and Mike, they all kind of do the same thing. Every, everyone kind of leaves, and, and we leave you back there. <clears throat> and uh, Typical. Typical. Leave Jacob to yeah, pretty much. himself. Pretty much. Well, if I kill one, get yeah, good luck, buddy. Call a helicopter. So, uh, without without drawing it out too much, because um, we're already at fifty four yeah, minutes. Pretty much, I just ended up after that morning sit. I got down like eleven o'clock because I just wasn't feeling it after seeing those two does. I'm like, I don't know how good it looks. So, kind of like I, I, I pulled an Andrew Maxwell. I'm like, I ain't gonna sit here and just hope and wait. I'm just gonna go scout. If I kick a deer while I'm while I'm scouting, maybe I get a shot. But let's go learn something. To kind of add, you know, so we, what do you, what do you call it? Uh, add to your account or for your withdrawal? Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what, add what to the saying? savings account, man. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> to make a withdrawal later, which is just scouting out the area even more so and trying to find like, you know, better areas that maybe, maybe would set up better for different hunts, maybe in the future or next year or whatever. Yeah. So ended up, uh, from the time I left the truck, the time I got back to the truck, it was just over seven miles that I did. And this this is crazy big loop covering a bunch of ground, covering a bunch of different terrain habitat types, and found a, a lot of sign, but like found a lot of pig sign too. Didn't find any alligator sign, you know, which is good. I try <laughs> to stay out of some of those areas, which is probably where the bucks are at, um, especially after talking to the listener, uh, old Jeff. So ended up doing this big, just crazy loop going through all this area, and it was weird how like. The second you would get into pig sign, zero deer sign. Yeah. Zero tracks, scrapes, rubs, nothing. Uh, and then you get out of that, and after you got out of it for a few hundred yards, you get back into deer sign, which kind of goes back. I did an episode with uh, David Ellis on his podcast, The Yacht Yacht Show, which y'all can go check out right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. And we were talking about this because I didn't know this, but uh, me and him did an episode about – uh, a study that Mississippi State just did, or what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. until well, some stuff happened. But they were trying to see how pigs, hogs, wild hogs, feral pigs, react with deer and how deer, you know, cohabitate areas and like, yeah. you know, how much they mingle or not. And, and David's like, from being a pig trapper, he's like, you don't ever see deer and pigs in the same trail camera. You don't ever see them on the same food plot. The corn pile of pigs are there, deer aren't there. If pigs are gone for a little while, then their deer will show up. And that's kind of how it seems sign-wise. But I just did a big loop going through there um, and then kind of worked my way back. Found some really good stuff. Found some really thick cover. Uh, ended up jumping what I assume was a lone deer in some of that real thick cover that I assumed was some of the best bedding habitat in that area. And all the sign kind of um, corresponded with that were like when the, the 
the habitat kind of pinched down towards this real thick cover, you'd find like just a ton of scrapes, ton of big rubs. And then you kind of work around to the other side. It, it was exactly the same. <clears throat> and I was on the phone with you talking to you. And actually I was on the phone with you when it was kind of like whispering to you. That's when I jumped the deer up. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I was like, Hey, let me put, I put your, my phone with you on it and my bino harness and grunting snort wheeze. See if this deer would spin back around and oh, give, me, yeah. give me a shot. And I thought I was, you were about to shoot, man. Yeah. Oh man, that would <laughs> be cool. But I ended up kind of slipping out of there. Uh, before dark, I started. I left at like four o'clock to try to get back out, just because, dude. I was I was smoked uh, after. I think we did. I did like close to eighteen miles uh, in like you know a couple of days, three days out there, and I had a terrible. I was wearing rubber boots, and the problem with rubber boots, I found with any rubber boot I've ever worn, is for one day hunt, it's fine. But if you can't dry those boots out every single day, and I didn't have a boot dryer with us on this trip, and you're sweating and you're like building condensation, I always have issues. No matter the socks I wear rubbing not the back of my heel but the side of my ankle um on like especially the outside of my ankles in those boots where i mean they'll just rub them raw and it's just it's super uncomfortable and it was dude it, it i was i was hurting by the time i got back to the truck actually before i got back to the truck ended up getting back to the truck the whole nine yards packed up my, you know my stuff from camp and then left and the next day uh, or later that day i was kind of messaging jeff about the air because he got me on camera a couple different times back in there and uh, he's like, you guys gone? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, sent me a photo. He's like, you should have stayed. should have stayed a little oh. bit longer. And I'm like, what? And I looked at the photo, and it was a really, really nice eight point, like a big deer that came by one of the cameras where some of those big rubs were at. And I had walked just below that spot an hour and a half before that deer came through there. Wow. And I'm like, oh, <clears throat> God. I'm like, I'm like, I almost wish you never even sent me this, dude. <laughs> so, but, but he did. He did tell you that uh, we were the only people he got on camera. Right other, than, I think, other than like one of his buddies, he said. Yeah. So uh, that made me feel pretty good about it. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's one of those things where the spot, the spot where we all parked, is like, it's what you called it, like a quote unquote community hole. Uh, it's like just uh, on the side of a dirt road where you can pull over, and there's a little bit of area where you can pull your truck mm -hmm. over and we had like freaking four trucks there that mm -hmm. morning uh and you know there uh, this this particular dirt road gets a lot of traffic and so a lot of people saw our trucks there um so i don't know how i don't know like i don't know if i know that people park in that spot and people are hunting back there in fact there's actually a pretty worn out trail walking back into this area mm -hmm. um where you can tell people are leaving this parking spot and i mean there's like person trail it's not a deer trail it's mm -hmm. a person trail going back in there and then it kind of fans out you know where people are going and hunting different areas but the difference is you know uh just putting uncomfort un uncomfortable stuff between you and and that parking spot mm -hmm. so whether that's crossing water or if you're in hill country that's maybe not just going up a hill but going up and over a hill and back up the next hill you know just something Slightly more miserable than most people are wanting to deal with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and actually, uh, a Q&A I want to cover with you on this episode is actually t messaged to us. Oh, and, yeah? Okay. And it, it has to do with it. it. Uh, well, what we're going we're gonna to answer, because I've already given him my answer, but I want to get your take on okay, it. Okay, cool, cool. Um But anyway, but yeah, overall, it, it was a good experience. I mean, we learned a lot, learned about, you know, some different areas I think we can, you know, have success in going, you know, further. But... It, it, dude, it's still this dude. Three ripper bottom hunts got my butt kicked. Well, yeah, but this last one, I feel like towards the end of it, I just like 
for me talking to you, it seems like you've kind of got some of your confidence back with the mm-hmm. sign that you were finding. But then also talking to Jeff, mm-hmm. he seemed to confirm a lot of the things that we were already thinking. Like y'all have been sharing a lot of information yeah, yeah. back and forth. And uh, I, I would love to be able to go in there with Jeff sometime. Like we're hunting the same area. Like I'd lo- this is the kind of thing I really like doing is, is you know, if you run into somebody and, and y'all are hunting the same area and it's apparent y'all are kind of doing the same thing, it's always good to, you know, just work with that person as much as they're willing to do. It's like, you know, maybe they don't want to go in there and freaking hunt with you, but you know, a little bit of information sharing within reason is always a good thing, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, it can help both of you out, you know, maybe when he gets a nice deer. So I, I'm really appreciative that he's been talking to you and, and sharing some information that hopefully we can put to use uh, next year. Cause I think yeah. we, we definitely want to hunt this spot next year. Yeah. And when I send the screen, I, I just send the screenshot of like where I walked and he's like, Holy crap, you cover a lot of ground. Like, <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm telling you, freaking playing. walking the soles of those boots off, man. Yeah, dude, and getting uh, after it. And yeah, it, it was it was interesting. Uh, but yeah, let's get over to some Q and A's real quick. All right, all right. So so we're gonna do Jacobs first. Yeah. So kind of getting some Q and A's here. Uh, this is from uh, Cody Brock, and he actually messages on Instagram, which we typically don't cover these. Uh, you know, Q and A's initially off Instagram, but it's a really good one. So I wanted to kind of, you know, read it off for you guys and kind of, you know, give you our takes on it. So Cody wrote in saying, gentlemen, I love the podcast. been listening for a while. I'm hoping you can help me out. I've been, I've seen some of your scouting videos where you're hunting or where you're scouting mountain deer. I just had my first scouting trip in the mountains and was honestly overwhelmed by the amount of buck sign I found in thermal hubs. Even these, even though these hubs are one and a half to two miles deep, they have hiking trails running through them, so they're easily accessible. I'm assuming this sign was left at night. I realized pretty quickly I didn't know what what to do with this information. My question is, where do I go from here scouting this area now that I know there's bucks using this hub at night? How do I scout the surrounding ridges to catch the buck or these bucks during daylight? Hmm. That's a really good question. Uh, what, what I like to do in a situation like that in some of our mountain areas, like where we killed those bucks, uh, last year, uh, in, in that situation, I like going up on the ridge points above that thermal hub. So whatever ridge points are kind of dropping down into it, I like to run up the spine of that and see where it goes and start looking for compounding features. And, uh, and also I like to, um, I like to, like I was saying a minute ago, I like to put uh, some kind of feature between me. Like, let's say that hiking trail is your access. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on how long that hiking trail is, that might not be like a bad way to access because not a lot of people might be walking that far in. Um, but let's just say that like that, there's a lot of pressure off that hiking trail. I like to dive off the hiking trail and like go up and over like a ridge. Mm-hmm. Like, like the hiking trail is going up the side of a ridge. Instead of just following it up, I'll jump off the trail, 90 degrees off of it, go up the ridge and get on top of the ridge above that hiking trail and see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's really good. Uh, but sometimes if you're just, if you just have to get away from people, you can go up and over down the other side and then up onto the next one. And that might be really good too, because like a lot of people are willing to walk up a hill. Not many people are willing to walk up a hill down the other side and back up another hill. Mm-hmm. 
So that's like the the barrier, you know, or just like super steep terrain. But that's what I would do. I would go, I'd start walking out all those ridge points and follow follow that to where you hit a compounding feature, whether that be where that ridge point goes up into a saddle, where it hits a bench on the main ridge, like whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and start looking at that. Like the the thermal hub is a good place to start. That tells you that there's deer in the area. Now you got to figure out where they're coming from, like where are all the focal points. Because I don't think the thermal hub is necessarily like a at least a daytime focal point. Like they might be coming through there at night, but where are they spending time during the day? And it could be kind of far away. It could be really close to it. So like, don't make any assumptions. You know, I don't really know uh, what the area is like as far as habitat goes, but they could be coming from like right there above it, or they could be coming from uh, like two ridges over. It just depends on your area. So you got to kind of take that in stride. Yeah, so a guest who's actually talked about this and actually had success killing deer close to these hiking trails is Adam Jolly. And him and his brother Heath were on a podcast we did, which was uh, it's a part, it's a two part episode, part one, part two. The part two episode where I, I believe we talk a little bit more about this specific topic of like hiking trails and whether or not, you know, deer, you know, associate them with pressure in certain areas and whether or not, you know, they're actually like a area you can actually hunt around you know some some states it's like there's certain legal distance you may have to be off a hiking trail in order to kill a deer but adam killed a really nice buck uh off you know coming working through an area off a hiking trail um and the episode i think we covered that on is episode 380 which came out in june of 2022 and the that was the part two the part one of that is 378 Uh, which was the Monday's episode before that. So 380 and 378. And that was something kind of interesting, kind of hearing him talk about that. Because I told told, uh, Cody the same thing. I'm like, dude, there's a chance that – there's probably a pretty good chance there's a lot of nighttime sign. But also, it might not be a bad place to throw a camera out if it's pretty easy to go check, hang your camera up. You know, ten foot high. Take two sticks and they're hanging up ten foot high, and uh, you know, on a big community scrape. If you find a big scrape down in that area, and just see and monitor access and monitor what the deer are doing. Yeah. But also, like you were saying, they're probably coming both up and down in elevation, but also they may be side hilling. So depending on where that trail is coming through that hub, if that trail continues to side hill, if you go down the elevation, you may find some better sign. If you go up in elevation, you may find better sign and backtrack that sign. Yeah. But also, if you go up and over, and like you said, compounding features, if there's a saddle above that hub <clears throat> on top of that ridge that drops into that hub, that mm-hmm. might be just a killer spot where in, before you get to that hub, especially on a morning sit, you know, maybe ha- you know half a mile away, you know, quarter mile away, you know, you start cutting up the ridge. And then work down to that saddle and sit that saddle in the morning. You might do really good. But also, I was telling them, if you go up and over the ridge, there's probably another thermal hub on the back side of that ridge. Yeah. That they're again they're crossing back and forth to, and you may be able to catch them somewhere over the top of that ridge yeah. crossing. And then also side hilling as well, because again we've had a lot of guests on the podcast talking about bucks going up and down in the elevation, you know, travel, and then also parallel travel to the ridges you know, at a certain elevation line, like a future guest we're gonna have on the podcast, Daniel, um, he talks about this as well, that, you know, in a lot of areas he's hunted, he sees bucks doing a lot of, uh, like working a certain elevation line around areas. So they may be dropping to that thermal hub, coming up the other side and then working a certain elevation going around, which may be above or below that hiking trail. So, you know, don't let that kind of scare you away, but also it depends. Is that hub wide open? 
Or was it like got a lot of thick mountain laurel, rhododendron down in there, some kind of thick cover, shrubby cover, uh, high stem count saplings. Uh, but definitely, if you look over the top of that ridge, you may find some better stuff as well, and also maybe some better daylight movement. Yeah, for sure. All right, <clears throat> next up, we got Adam Bice from Alabama. He said, not really a question, but I just wanted to leave you all a comment expressing how much I love hearing all of Andrew's escapades into the worlds of hunting clubs. Uh, I've been listening to y'all since the beginning and have been using a lot of these strategies discussed on the show about working around people on clubs for a while. Y'all put out some really good stuff this year, particularly on the hunting club topic, working around people, in a lot of cases, even more highly pressured deer than most public lands in Alabama. Uh, get after him, guys. Appreciate that, Adam. I I know Adam. He's a super cool dude. Uh, he bucked out this year. He killed a couple really, really nice ones. And uh, they've got a YouTube channel. I believe it's called Team Southern Roots, where you can actually go watch. Like He wrote in a listener success story. I think it was a big 10-point mm-hmm. uh, that he just put on his YouTube channel. So y'all, y'all can go check that out. But I've enjoyed the hunting club stuff, man. We've get, we've been getting a lot of good feedback on it. And, you know, we actually surveyed our audience uh, probably two years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was it? It was, I can't remember what the percentage was. Over 76% hunted both public and private. Yeah. But more people hunted private than public. Yeah. I think it, I forgot what the percentage was that hunted just private over public, but it was almost double the amount of people hunted private versus public, which makes sense because there's a lot more hunting clubs in private land that someone could get into than just publicly in opportunities. If yeah. Someone didn't want to do that. We got, yeah. We got a, a large part of the audience and that, I mean, that's the culture down there. That's the culture. Yeah. I was gonna say you're, the culture you're in a hunting so. club, you yeah. know, I mean, there, there's a lot of people who hunt WMAs and Adam's right. A lot of these hunting clubs are just as pressured, if not more pressured than WMAs. I'll say that a lot of that has to do with the kind of hunters that you have in your hunting club. Well, so a future guest, we're going to actually be interviewing on Thursday. He was talking about, again, Daniel, he was talking about one of his old hunting clubs he was in. He killed some real nice bucks out there. Uh-huh. Again, some of the bigger bucks that came off the property. I think he said it was maybe 2,000 acres and it had like 57 members in it. Whew. And he's like, and so, and it's going to be interesting when y'all hear his story. But when he, he just recently got a hunting public land a couple of years ago and he killed two really nice bucks in public land. One was a double drop time buck and another was like a big 11 point. And that was in Alabama. And he said, he heard all these people talk about how pressured public is, and he's hunting a pretty pressured piece of public land in Alabama. Yeah. And when he transitioned to public from private, from the hunting club, he's like, oh, this is not nearly as bad. He's like, you know, if you go to like, he's like, back on our club, you go down like, he's like, there was like a two mile st- stretch road that kind of went through and like wide out on the property. And he's like, every single spot you could park a truck at on a like a week a saturday during gun season he's like there was a truck there or two trucks <laughs> and he's like every little road that came off that there was food pots and he's like it'd be every couple hundred yards it'd be something like that and there'd be trucks he's like you go down like a straightaway of a road and see 30 trucks on that yeah. hunting club yeah and he's like on public he's it's like that but they're so spaced out he's like there might be a gate he's like we drive from one gate he was telling me this when i was up at his house a couple, like a week ago you go from one gate and you're like yeah there'd be two or three trucks there and he drives another gate, there'd be two or three trucks there. But between those two gates is like four miles or three miles. And there's nobody. There's nobody. And he's like, well, really? He's like, as long as you're not parking at a gate, he's like, it's, it wasn't, it's not hard it's not to get bad. away. And he's like, and since then, he's like, he's like, dude, it's been awesome. He was like, yeah, man, I don't yeah. have to worry about it. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes like my club, it gets like, quote unquote, a lot of pressure, but I don't really consider it a lot of pressure. I think I was telling Sam this the other day that, uh, Sure, there's like a couple guys out there pretty much every weekend, especially in January. There might be like six or seven guys out there. It's 1,800 acres. And uh, 
they're all hunting food plots, though. I mean, they uh, religiously hunt. That's all they hunt is food plots. There's a couple guys that might hunt like a ladder stand off in the woods, but like I do not have to worry about people going to my spots out there. Like that, like people just aren't getting off the beaten path at all. Whereas, you know, especially like this weekend is a good example. On the difference is on WMAs, you have to worry about that more often. Like mm-hmm. people are doing the thing where they're like walking to that saddle back on the backside mm-hmm. of these thick pines or something. Uh, where on my hunting club, nobody's doing that. Yeah, you know. Uh, but but on the public now, some hunting clubs are different though, and people are doing that kind of thing. And those are probably more challenging. Where you have like th- that, th- like hunters who have that kind of mindset. Because if you're like me and you get into like the kind of hunting club that I got into, and I'm the only one really who's got this kind of mindset. Um, I mean, Cody does too. Cody's in the club, but Cody's got a lot of places to hunt, so he's not out there a ton. Um, like I, I got kind of free reign of the place a little bit, whereas. You know, I was, I've been thinking about going back and forth on joining this different club, but I was talking to Cody about it. He's like, yeah, the, the hunters in that club, you know, hunt more similar to like what we do. A little higher tier. Yeah. Like they, they they're going to get off their, when I say their hi- yeah, sorry. When I say higher tier, I mean like just like their mindset, skill set level. Like yeah. they're not just hunting a food plot. They're not just hunting yeah. a power line. Like they're, they're, they're off- going and finding sign. They're yeah. hunting terrain features. They're being mobile. Uh so, like so similar, a, to, similar to a lot of people that listen to this podcast. Yeah, exactly. The kind of person that like, listens to this podcast. Personally, I'll be honest, if I was in a hunt club and it was a bunch of you guys listening or watching this podcast <laughs> in the club, I'd be a little worried, okay? Yeah, no, I, for real. I, I want to be in a hunt club where nobody knows about the Southern Outdoors. <laughs> oh, yeah. We did. When we went to the work day, I was, I, was with, uh, with Mike and, uh, I was with Mike and Sam, and I was like, do not mention that we, the, a podcast. Don't mention the podcast. Don't mention the YouTube. Don't mention anything. Did you wear Southern Outdoors my hat on? Absolutely not. I told them to not wear their hats either. I was like, no, we're going dark. Okay. We're not let and there was another guy there who's who's in the club who's got a YouTube channel, like a small YouTube channel. And he was telling everybody about it. I was like, oh man, that's cool, you know? Like I wasn't gonna say anything about it, dude. Because, you know, especially we talk on here about the club like really openly. And and on our Patreon, we've even put uh, map examples of the club and and been extremely specific, which is another reason that I joined the club is we can't really do that on public land like at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, But on the club, like I can I can get on the map and I can show you exactly what I did and and not worry about it. You know, unless a Patreon member joins the club, which if you do, then, you know, we'll just we'll team up, bro. We'll tag team. it. Yeah, we'll tag team it. But anyways, uh. Yeah, so that's why I'm a little hesitant to jump out of the club. I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but um, but yeah, it, it depends on the kind of hunters in the club, and that's yeah. maybe something to go. We're getting into that time of year where people are going to be looking for new hunting clubs or trying to join a club for the first time. You, you start asking from, the president. From February to like July is, yeah. is when you're getting in hunting clubs. And you, one of the first questions you ask them, hey, do y'all know about the Southern Outdoors podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like you went with me when I went and toured the club with yeah. the club president. You rode with me, and, and the, he was like, who's this guy? I'm like, don't worry about him. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to be the guest that comes out here and kills all your big bucks, which has an happen because Andrew, has, Andrew hasn't invited me back I went one time during bow season open day of bow season I, what are you talking about I've invited you back I haven't been back man. oh my god sad I was trying to get you to go in bow season when Mike uh, missed that 10 point and, uh, I, okay, and, you, I, and you refused I, I, to bring your bow I've gone and filmed you yes okay, yeah, that's right so anyways uh, that was one of the first things I asked him. I'm like, what do most guys like to do out here? Like, is everyone hunting a food plot? Um, like what, what's it like? And I got that information from him, which made me a lot more confident hunting the club. Yeah. Hot tip guys. If you're doing a tour with like a president of a club or whatever, if, if you're like a hardcore listener to this podcast, play dumb. Okay. A hundred percent. Play dumb. 
don't like don't get too excited when you're driving over the property and you start seeing some awesome habitat terrain features whatever just play dumb like oh yeah man i love hunting food plots and, you know y'all plant good food plots out here just what do y'all like to plant stick to that regiment oh, okay? got any corn feeders yeah like just stick to that when you're doing the tour don't yep. give them any like any like, um i 100 agree with yeah this, don't give the them way. any idea that you know you may be a little more serious and get after you know if you have a lot of free time to hunt don't say that like, yeah, I mean, hunt weekends mostly, you know, just yeah. stuff like that. May come out here a little bit during season, nothing too crazy. I yeah. mean, just play, play dumb. Yeah, play I mean, dumb. That, that that's like my philosophy. Like, I'm not going to lie to the dude, you know. if Like, if he starts drilling down and asking me a bunch of questions, I'm not going to lie about anything. But I'm not going to – I'm not just going to give him, like, a bunch of information. I'm not going to volunteer information, you yeah. know. Uh, and and so, yeah, that that's what we did with our club. Like, there was a lot of things that really excited me, but I was like, I didn't say anything, you know, because I don't know who I'm riding in the car with or whatever. Like, I don't know, like, what what he likes to do as far as is, is his hunting. I don't know what he's going to go tell the other members of the club. So until you start getting to know people and building relationships in the club, it's better to just be more discreet because you that's how you get into club drama is if, like, you go in there and you start running your mouth and you, you say some things that you shouldn't say, like, you – perfect example is like you get a you get a big old 12 point on camera and you just cannot wait and you go tell everyone or you go tell one guy at the check station or the pinout board and everybody then knows about it and now now days. everybody knows about it and then one guy in the club goes in there where you said you got it on camera and kills it and now you got club drama. yeah i'm never talk about it take the turkey hunters mindset if you know any old school turkey hunters they don't say anything they don't say nothing they don't say nothing lips shut to hear birds shoot a bird no uh-uh Nothing, and they got a dead bird in the back of their truck. That's right. So, you know. That's right. That's, you mm-hmm. know, that, that's probably a little more dirty than what Andrew's saying. Because Andrew's saying he ain't going to lie to him. But. No, I, no, I ain't going to lie to him. <laughs> <laughs> you kill him down there in my food plot? Maybe. Is that where my pen was at? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I might have fudged that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I didn't kill him on the food plot. Sugar, I, I, I Sugar-coated lie. I did, I did tell him. That I did not kill it on the food plot. That's true. I pinned out. He's like, you should, you know, I was like, hey, man, I didn't kill it. Because he was kind of upset with me. I was yeah. like, I didn't kill it on your food oh, plot. Oh, we talked about it. Uh-huh. And, uh, but he asked me where I did kill it. And he named where I did kill it. He's like, did you kill it in over here? I'm not going to say exactly what. I was like, no, I was kind of close to there, though, you know. So, anyways. Andrew's just a, trying to be discreet. Andrew has a bad poker face, real bad poker face. So No, they don't suspect uh, uh, a thing. Uh, Andrew was probably screaming when the guy was asking uh, questions. He's like, I don't know. All right, we got a fun one here. Uh, this is from Matt Bedwell from Indiana. He oh. said, how are you guys drinking your morning coffee from the saddle? Where do you put the cup? This is a crucial part of my hunt, and I need to know before right. making the switch for my hang on. Right. I got you. I got you, too. No, you don't. Yes, I do. Listen, get you a gear hanger. No. Okay. What? Get get a gear hanger. No. Okay. I got a different... Get a gear hanger, and look, this I use um, I use either a Kafaru uh, Hellbender, uh, if I'm like going way back and it's you know kind of a big hunt, it's a or backpack. I it's use not... a tethered fast pack. Mm-hmm. Um if I'm, um, you know, hunting like the club or something, I'm not going like two miles deep where I'm going to pack one out. And uh, I've got a gear hanger and I hang that backpack off to the side of the tree. So like when I'm leaning in my saddle, the backpack, the top of the backpack is like maybe about at my waist. Like it's kind of out of the way on the side of the tree. And that pack, the top of it folds open um, and it, it you can like reach down in the pack real easy. And I get like a like some kind of cup that seals, obviously, and I just put my coffee in that. If it's like a really cold morning, I'm going to drink a bunch of coffee. I'll bring my whole freaking – I got an old-school Stanley, uh, oh, um, Stanley thermos. Yeah. 
Like not a, not the big old white girl cup. I got the really? uh, yeah. I got the big thermos. Yeah, you get, you get the what? Is, I don't know. I, I, sh- stop. Here's Stanley. I'm just like, man, you just mm. dude. This Stan you, this you Stanley's from stuff. like 1985. Okay, it's it's the, is it the same company. Yeah, man, they, same company. Mm. Yeah, dude, it's an interesting. Uh, they lost. It's them. actually an interesting case study in marketing where they where they switched their uh their they 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 went to a new demographic. So no, they, instead of targeting like blue collar guys going to like construction sites, they targeted like white girls, and uh, and they made like three hundred million dollars or something. Anyways, good case study in marketing. Uh, so yeah, I carry one of those, and I'll put it I'll put it down in the pack, and so it's just right there in the top, so open, so I don't have to unzip anything if I want some coffee. I just reach in there and grab it, and I'm good. Or there are uh, little pockets on the side of the pack where you can put your cup in there too. But I like to just hang it in the backpack because so it's completely secure. I don't have like a cup holder attachment or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah. So I use a uh, innovating the outdoors uh, gear hanger, which is a 3D printed uh, gear hanger, and I, I really like it. It's like on like an AM steel, um, just a piece of AM steel. Walks around the tree. It's got a bow hanger on there. I hang my gun or my bow on, and it's got like three gear hooks on it. So I hang my backpack on that, and I always hang the backpack when I'm leaning the saddle. It's kind of like right there where I can like reach down, and whether it's a Nalgene ball like I've got here, um, and I, again, I don't take coffee in the woods. Uh, I'm a little bit more of like a Celsius guy, getting one of those little stick packs, 200 milligrams of caffeine, and just freaking take a couple of take one of those i'll I'll drink coffee i'll bring coffee in the woods on like really cold mornings because dude there's nothing better than cracking that sucker open i just don't like to brew it so it warms your innards a little bit i just i'll just drink cold energy drink mix my analogy but anyways that's depressing but like again you you can't have like a cup like you got to have some kind of like secure spill proof bottle or whatever that you're putting your coffee in but well, I mean, he ain't carrying a coffee mug out in the woods. Well, he's like, about? I put my cup. Uh, if I think of a cup, I'm thinking of a coffee mug. My like, bro, you're in the wrong, wrong space what? here. No, oh my god. So, anyways, you think that? But I don't call this a cup. Is that a cup? Well, I don't know. Is that a, it? Well, that's. Yeah. that's he's car- he's carrying jar. a mason jar out there. You could. No. Okay. Anyways, but just yeah. Put most of your backpacks <laughs> are gonna have you know some kind of water bottle pocket holder. Like I, I pretty much have been using the uh, the first like transfer pack for the most part. Um, cause it's a little bit colder now, carrying more of my gear in and it's got two water bottle pockets and I'll just stick it in the side there. And again, whether you have a therm or something, it works really good. And it's really easy to get to, uh, and you don't have to make a whole bunch of movement reaching down and grabbing it. So yeah, it works easy. So don't overcomplicate stuff. All right. <clears throat> this is from Michael Moore, uh, who's from Florida. He hunts a couple different public land areas in Northwest Florida. I want to know how Onyx helps in these areas. Is it worth investing in? Reason I ask is the area is majority flat. Using Google Maps isn't hard to spot the different tree groups and edges, finding that diversity. Thanks, guys. I would say that the best use for Onyx in a situation like that is going to be some of their, uh, I don't know what you call them, like their premium layers. Uh, like the uh, acorn-producing oak layer Mm -hmm. is like a favorite one of mine, especially in areas like what you're hunting that are, like kind of monotonous um, as far as terrain goes, that can that can be actually super useful for. I'm actually gonna be end up using it. I'm gonna I'm gonna end up using it uh, this spring. I'm actually gonna turkey hunt in North Florida because uh, I really don't know what the heck I'm looking at in North Florida as far as the map goes. So sure. I'm gonna use the again the oak layer to see where those oaks are at, what kind of oaks I'm dealing with, so I have a general idea of what I'm walking into. And there's a lot of other uh, features like that, like they have I think thermal cover for deer, which can be like grassy stuff um along with like other just premium layers that i like to use that that just highlight stuff on the map that i might not know what it is otherwise not just that but i think something that so many people overlook is the simplicity of using 
again, the tracking feature when you're going in and out of the woods, scouting and hunting, always have your tracking feature on. Yeah. So you know exactly what ground you've covered and you can kind of keep up with where you've been. And then just organizing your pins, that, that's huge. And I don't know if you're hunting with, uh, let's see, Mike, I don't know if you're hunting with like a group of guys or buddies, but one thing that's been really helpful for us is you're able to organize your pins and put them in different folders for like different properties, different areas of that. And you can share a folder with a buddy so he can pull, you know, see, so can see all these pins of like what you're looking at. And also you can send tracks and all that kind of stuff through those folders. But the cool thing is you can only say it's somebody, you know, you hunt with, but you don't want to show them everything. You can just select the couple of pins you want to send him and the couple of tracks and maybe not send him everything, but yeah. like, here you go if you're trying to go in and hunt that area. Yeah, dude, bartering chips. Yeah, you know, you just, give him a little piece of this, see what you get, maybe yeah. give him a little another piece. Absolutely. And, I mean, that, that's huge as well. Plus, a new feature, if you're running any kind of cell cameras, uh, Onyx has the new feature where you can actually link your cell camera uh, apps through Onyx where you'll get all your notifications and be able to update all your cameras, see all your cameras on the Onyx app, which is really, really nice as well. So you don't have to go through, especially if you're running a couple different cell camera brands, you don't have to go through all the different apps to kind of see what's yeah, going they on. They all just go to Onyx. They all just go to Onyx. So kind of organize it. You can see all your photos there. and It's really nice. And so. you can actually click on the pin and like flip through those pictures. Yeah. So if you kind of, if you got a bunch of them and, and it's kind of hard to keep them straight of like where each one of them's at. All right, uh, next up, this is the last one. Chris Dotson from Arkansas. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, hey, guys, been listening for a while and love the content. I have a question. I have a 60-acre lease in west-central Arkansas, and for seven years straight, I've killed a decent eight-point every year. This year, I've had one buck on camera in early September, have only seen one buck in the stand. Any ideas on movement this year and why it's so off for me this year? It's a 60-acre, nine-year-old pine growth, and I hunt the top on a logging road. Bottom to top of the lease is a 900-foot climb, so I'm oh, steep, <laughs> and I know there's bucks. Too much sign to not be. Help. Okay. So if you've been hunting it for seven years, I bet and it's nine years old now, I think your pines are aging out. Well, not that, just that. I guarantee it's a ladder stand. You uh -huh. sit in the same stand every time. Yeah. And when you do that, there's a very good chance during the rut's a little bit different, but if you're hunting that outside the rut, if you have like a, a, a pre-hung stand, you hunt every single year consistently, deer will pattern you. Okay? Yeah. It just happens. Okay. So if you're not hunting mobile, which you may not be able to a whole bunch of this property, depend, it's, if it's not her elevation change on this, That's six, great. on 60 acres, if you're not lying, that is that's insane, dude. I mean, that, I mean, that is like, that is insane, like crazy, crazy steep on 60 acres, 900 feet change, which if that's the case, they probably didn't log the whole thing. Yeah. Because I, I, they're not going to be able to log a whole side of a ridge that's 900 feet elevation change in 60 acres. Okay. So there's going to be habitat breaks in different areas at some point, some logging roads, roadbed, stuff like that. We've talked on the podcast. Um, so stay, even though it's 60 acres, staying somewhat mobile and moving around. And also if you're in Arkansas, I'm sure you're running some kind of bait because you can on private land in Arkansas. Uh, and if you're in West central Arkansas, you're probably not in the CWD zone. So again, you probably run bait out there. If you have your cameras on bait like that, th we, there's been GPS studies that showcase that like we talked about this with Dr. Michael Chamberlain, that some of these mature bucks just won't come to a bait pile. They yeah. just won't do it for whatever reason. You know, some might. They might come from one or two times, and that's it, and they kind of disappear. So if all your cameras are on bait piles, you need to try to move some of those cameras around as well to some of these areas that you're finding some more of this sign. Because if you have sign there, there's a lot of sign, 
there probably is a lot more bucks out there. You're just missing. Yeah, I'd be curious if it's that steep. That's that sounds like where you might run into a bluff. Uh, so I'd be curious if there's a bluff running through the property, if you have a bluff gap, or if the bluff begins or ends well, on it, that 60 acres, if you could put a camera where they might be coming around the edge of that bluff. Well, if it's West Central Arkansas, that's the Washtaw Mountains, which is extremely steep habitat, really rocky. really rocky areas. There's a lot of pines out there, definitely like a lot of pine plantations. They kind of cut the side of the ridges. So, you know, there ought to be, you know, it depends on, is that property kind of the lower portion of the elevation change? Is the upper portion is over the top of the ridge, which yeah. probably is not, still 900 feet of elevation change on it. Uh, so, you know, that all kind of plays a factor. But also on a property like that, you need to pay attention to how you're accessing. If it's 60 acres, you probably only have one way to get onto the property. Then you probably have to kind of like spread out from there. So that makes it kind of tough. But if you can go in there and do any kind of work to be able to trim out other trails systems that you can walk through, not using a side-by-side, not using a truck, parking, and then walking, um, you may do a little bit better as well. And again, just kind of stay mobile. And, and also, the guys that we know, and the greatest <clears throat> example of this is uh, Alan Summerford from Alabama. He hunts a lot of small properties. He's got some big properties that he can hunt private land. But he's got a, a couple small properties, 40 acres or less. And he kills some big deer out there, but he only hunts it for like a few days a year during the right timing, and that's when he capitalizes on it. So he kind of lets it sit as a sanctuary. And if you're in that area of the country or that part of Alabama or Arkansas, there's probably some other public land you could maybe dive to. But if you're only hunting that 60 acres all season, you're probably putting a ton of pressure on it as well. And the deer may just not be using it a ton during late daylight because it's only 60 yeah. acres. Like a deer is not living on 60 acres, especially in that kind of habitat in that environment. That's a really good point. That's an excellent point. Yeah, just try to, I guess, try to switch it up. I'd be really curious, Chris, for you to write back in and uh, and give us more context. Maybe end up, you know, we're talking about this, you know, kind of here towards the end of season. Uh, but how, how this ended up turning out for you for the rest of the season, whether you ended up seeing more Dude, deer. He's got the end of February to bow hunt. Well, yeah, so. I know. I, that's true. That's true. Uh, but also, like, again, I just kind of go back to the also that if he's saying he's getting very few bucks on camera and it's kind of been an abrupt change over this year, I'd be pretty curious about um, hunting it again for seven years. Nine-year-old pine growth, so he started hunting it when it was like primo, primo, <clears throat> and so it's probably been, you know, you hit that stage in in pine plantations. And it's a little bit different, like depending on where you live in the country and how fast things grow, but like down here, it, it's usually kind of abrupt. Um, like that that year, you know, that where the pine trees are are almost big enough to shade out everything, but it's still nice and open underneath. And then that following growing season, they close that gap. The canopy closes. Everything dies, and bam, it sucks. <laughs> like yeah. it, it, they might still use it a little bit, but it's just it's it's not like it used to be. Yeah, instead of bedding, it's just travel. Like it's yes. it's kind of like what JT shot his buck in. Exactly, it's, they're no longer really bedding in it. They're just traveling. They're through just it. traveling through, and then you have to be in those pines. You can't be on the edge of them. You got to be in them on the ground or six foot up in a tree yeah, and be able to shoot underneath all that stuff, which makes it super tough. But it's private land, so you can go through and actually yeah. probably trim. Even if it's a lease, you probably can trim some of the branches on some of those pines and cut you some little shooting lanes, where whether it's a ground blind set, something like that, where you can shoot underneath a lot of those trees. And, and that would probably would work really, really well in that area. Yeah, definitely. Especially if it's an old logging roadbed that cuts through those pines. It's all kind of overgrown. You go through there and trim that sucker up, dude. And just make it a really nice travel area that deer can kind of work through there, and you set yeah, you up either a stand buddy. or a ground blind, dude. You might be you just killing them. Yeah, I like I said, I'd be I'd be really interested to hear uh, more about 
what, like again, just what the lease looks like. I would love to actually see a picture of it. If you mm-hmm. want to write back in with a map, I would love to take a look. And at also, that. by the way, I was gonna say, if you're in West Central Arkansas, I don't know how much you hunt with a muzzleloader, but from the guys we've interviewed that kind of hunt that general area, they always say like that muzzleloader hunt in like late October is like primo time to catch big bucks, kind of shoot, cruising for does. So if you're not taking part in muzzleloader hunting, you need to make sure you have a muzzleloader and you really focus on that as well in that property. Yep. All right, we got a review. We're going to close it out with, and I'm going to make Jacob read it. Cool. Gerald. All right, this is from <laughs> LB Frazier, five-star review, titled this Gerald. Southern Outdoorsman Deep Cut. Yeah, Deep Cut. So, uh, again, appreciate everybody's leaving those five-star written reviews. If you're a long-time listener of the podcast, or you just now found out about the podcast and you enjoy it and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, which about 70-plus percent of you guys are, Go take a couple seconds, leave us a five-star review, and if you have a couple minutes, write us a written review as well. We try to read those off on these outro episodes. So uh, it's kind of starting this off. Love the show. Long-time listener. Long-time caller. <laughs> we got to do a call version of the podcast. Y'all did... Wait, no. He said first-time listener, long-time caller. Oh, wow. I just, you know, I can't read. Dyslexia, baby. First-time listener, long-time caller. Y'all did a show years back. It may have had mixed reviews but it's one of my personal favorites fella mentioned an encounter with a bear while hunting get out of here and went on to mentioning old geraldine alabama need the episode number keep on cranking out the quality content really enjoy it let me look that up man i don't i don't know what wait that must have been 2019 maybe what he's referring to is where our buddy tyler malone was hunting somewhere in alabama and he saw a bear which is really rare in Alabama. Like you don't, you do not see uh, like a bear very often in Alabama. Uh, is that it? Buddy. That might be it. Twenty twenty one. That might be it. All right. Yeah. Because try out. So try out episode two eighty seven uh, from October twenty twenty one. Episode two eighty seven. Licking branches and fall plans. Now, I'm almost pretty certain that might be the. Yeah, because you you. The where but, he brought up Geraldine First well, Baptist we, we, Archery Club. We, we recorded at a place that we were hunting that time of year. Y'all were in Tennessee. No, because I, I wasn't on that one. I don't think. Was, I think I it think, was. I, think, I this, think it was you, Michael, and I Tyler. Th- I think this is the one we did in, in a field watching some deer, and it was me. Yeah, me, Tyler, Michael. No, 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 no. Because I was there. No, no, no. That that's it's definitely not that one. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's it right there. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's it. Because that was before. That was October. So that was uh, that was after you killed your doe in Tennessee that year. Oh, that is right. Because he was the one that, that... I'm pretty sure he's talking about the one where you shot the... Jacob had to shoot me, this I'm poor gonna doe. I'm, we're going to listen to it real quick. Uh, well, anyways. All right. We're going to try to figure it out. And we're going to link it in the show notes below if we can figure out exactly which episode it was. But that is a hilarious episode. And y'all should go back and listen to it. So, anyways. Okay. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We're gonna wrap it up before Jacob starts playing this on the on the podcast. All right. <laughs> All right well, <laughs> All right, just just to re- uh, remind everybody, appreciate everybody that has been purchasing a lot of the hats. Again, the call it old school. What, what what's the old school camo hat? So so this is from Lost Hat Co. Our buddy Kyler uh, owns that company, and he came out with this camo. He made this camo pattern. And he named it Old's Cool, like O-L-D-S space C-O-O-L. 
Old's cool. Old's cool, baby. Camo hat. Yeah. These patch hats have been selling like crazy. Again, we have still a few in stock. So if you want one of these hats, again, before turkey season gets here, season's wrapping up, uh, feel free to, again, order one of those along with all the other hats that we have. Uh, appreciate all that support. Again, links down in the show notes in the show description below if you want to check out the hats. Also appreciate everybody that has submitted to be coming to the Weaver Meets Hunters Meetup event, second annual Hunters Meetup event. Yep. Uh, February 24th, Saturday, February 24th in Hartsell, Alabama. It's going to be an absolute fun event. We're going to be hosting the event, doing some live Q&As and everything at the show. Free food, free drinks, family-friendly. Come on out. It's going to be an all-day event. Buck- bring your kids. Buckmasters will be there. Yeah, Buckmasters will be there. They're going to be scoring deer, so you can bring any deer you want if you want to get official score for them. Also, the announcement uh, or the scores will be announced for the big buck competition that Weavers is putting on as well with a $1,000 cash prize for the first winner and a bunch of other cash prizes and a bunch of other prizes in general for those winners uh, for the like top 10, top 20 uh, in the big buck contest. So I'm still trying to find me a buck that I want to submit for that contest. But again, if you killed a big one, even if you didn't take the deer to Weavers, all you have to do is just roll up to Weavers. Again, you can search them on Facebook to get their address, uh, Weavers Meat Processing. And all you got to do is just roll up, take a photo with your rack. If you have the skull plate and, and antlers from your deer while, you know, the hides at the taxidermist, take a photo in front of their big buck hut uh, photo booth. And you'll be entered to win uh, for the uh, competition. And, of course, all those deer will be scored at the event. It's going to be an awesome event. You're going to be able to see some gigantic bucks killed this year and some other deer as well at this event. So, Jamie McKay has a good chance to maybe win. Yeah, there, I saw this there was a, I was there, asking Stan, I was up there the other day, and I was asking Stanley, I'm like, you think Jamie's going to win? He's like, dude. Uh, <laughs> if, there was a, if there was a big eight-point competition, he might have it right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. He might have it on lock. Yeah. Might we're have we're running out of time, Alabamians. <laughs> Y'all better get after it. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyways, it's going to be an awesome event. So, if you're still interested in coming to that event, again, uh, February 24th, you can go over to the Southern Outdoorsman on Facebook and uh, tagged in our kind of the description of everything. You can see the events, and it's on the event page on our uh, Facebook page. So, again, all the details are there for you. Appreciate for everybody that's already submitted. Excited to see you guys there. It's going to be an awesome event. And other than that, we appreciate you all watching the podcast on YouTube. Appreciate you all listening to the podcast. Appreciate you all sharing the podcast as well. And we'll catch you back on Monday's episode from the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. And remember, guys, y'all stay safe. Look, last summer, y'all heard us talk a bunch about the Mobile Hunters Expo. It was an incredible event. A bunch of you guys came out to meet us. We got to talk to, I don't even know how many listeners. If you heard all that last year and you were like, dang, that sounded cool. I should have went to that. Here's your chance. You need to make it to this one. It's June 28th through June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. All right. Giving you a heads up here. So go ahead and mark it on your calendar. June 28th through June 30th, Dalton, Georgia is going to be the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. We're going to be there. A bunch of our past podcast guests are going to be there. There's going to be seminars. All of the mobile hunting companies are going to be there for you to try out gear before you buy it. It's like the one event of the year where all of the the, like the mobile hunter ecosystem just kind of congregates in one place. And Chris and Josh and the guys have done an absolutely phenomenal job putting this thing together over the last couple years. And it keeps getting better every year. So like I said, make sure you come see us. We're going to have a gigantic stack of free stickers to give away to every listener that stops by the booth. And we're going to have merch there to purchase. We're going to be recording podcasts, shooting videos, all kinds of stuff. So like I said, don't miss it. You can head on over to the mobilehuntersexpo.com to look at show schedules and dates and go ahead and grab your tickets. So y'all go check it out at the mobilehuntersexpo.com.